This is the Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode uh, back once again with another episode uh, this is episode I've, I've lost track again uh, I can't even <laughs> remember what episode number it is but uh, on this one we've got uh, Simon Kennedy uh, Cumbrian DJ um, been around forever as long as I can remember anyways I feel like I have <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah this is Simon Kennedy how are you doing mate you alright I'm really good thank you yeah absolutely uh, feeling tip top for a change <laughs> for a change but um, so how are you doing anyways yeah good uh, just you know Keeping busy, um, work, family, all that other stuff, good good stuff going on, and then trying to forge my way in DJing like everybody else at the moment. Yeah, um, how's DJing? I know we've talked off pod, but like, I'm actually just thinking, how's DJing treating you? Are you enjoying it at the minute? Or what, what, what have you got <sighs> much on? I've got enough on to keep me busy, uh, yeah. keep me interested. I've got a residency at Havana in Carlisle that I'm there pretty much uh, part of the furniture because I've been there that long. Yeah. Um, I'm doing some bits at the LOL now as well, yeah. um, and that that's about it at the moment. But that, to be honest, that's enough. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I've got a few little things coming up with uh, the guys over at Four Play. You know, doing a Solfest tent for them at, uh, on the sun on the bank holiday Sunday. So you know, yeah. enough to keep me going. And and I've been working on some like really different stuff with uh, Rory Wood around the uh, metaverse. 
wow. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, we'll get into that. Because we'll uh, I'm not it, sure where you're coming from with that. Like, oh, it blew my mind when I first got last started looking at it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, what I want, was wanting to ask you is, um, obviously you were saying about, oh, that's, that's enough when it comes to it. Um, obviously you're in the same boat as me, missus and kids and stuff. Uh, do, you, uh, do you find it hard doing a, like a, a work life DJ balance? I I struggle with it to be honest with you. Obviously, I've got this podcast now as well. So, well, yeah, I think uh, I think what it is the main thing for me was. I mean, I started DJing in sort of like nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. Um, that's when I that's when I bought my first set of turntables yeah. and a mixer, which was a full uh, Sound Lab Direct Drive Gemini six two six. Old school. Oh yeah, very posh at the time. Couldn't have, wasn't quite there at the money levels for the Technics twelve tens. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Eventually, I did. Direct drive though. Yeah, direct drive still. Yeah, but I did eventually get a set of twelve tens as that went on. But I think because DJing has predominantly shaped a lot of my life, it's always been kind of part and parcel of me and what comes with me. Yeah, so yeah. when it when it comes to being in relationships and having kids and stuff like that, it's always been the fight to balance all that stuff out yeah uh, and i've been you know i find myself lucky that i've got uh, i've got a wife who will literally indulge every stupid idea i've got around yeah, I, know the <laughs> yeah. uh, I know the feeling too well <laughs> and you know I've, i mean i've got three daughters you know one's 18 uh coming up to 18 one's you know 19 and away at uni so she only yeah. comes back every now and again and um and i've got like six-year-old who's you know once every minute of my life and you know i give her as much time as i possibly can within this shape of 24 hours and her being <laughs> awake as well <laughs> yeah i know what you mean um but that, that's what i was i was thinking there i was gonna ask you as well is, is your daughters because obviously daughters are like going out age are they into like your music or um i'm gonna be honest and say they are not into my music at all right um, dance music at all? Yeah, I mean, one of my daughters, she had no choice because uh, she actually worked in Havana for a while, yeah. you know, so she basically got right. she got, she got got that music in. But she's more into 80s and stuff like that. Um, That's class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's she, she, she's quite um, she's quite eccentric, you know. Mm. She's She's got, like, a really sort of eccentric personality as well and some of the stuff she likes watching black and white movies. Um, <laughs> I bet she's buzzing at Kate Bush. She's back in the charts. Oh, yeah, she's loving it. Um, she, she loves, like, 80s music. She's like 80 post. I mean, she was she was massively... In the, well, both of my older daughters were massively into K-pop. Right. Uh, and J-pop uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I just really couldn't get my head around it. I, I still can't. Um, weirdly... It's like it really boomed since what like 2017 onwards yeah in in the uk but like i, I remember first going over to like hong kong and that like it'd been 10 years ago now maybe more but going over and like they they in their charts it was k-pop and i'm like yeah well it's hong kong it's to china why is it the thing it's like no these people are like like Justin Bieber on steroids. Like oh, yeah. Popular it's, popularity it's, I was actually sh- astonished at how big it is <laughs> and crazy, how yeah. the fans, you know, what do they call the fandoms? Yeah. The yeah. fandoms that, 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 are, like that under, yeah, oh, it's worse than Beatlemania <laughs> because you're like, you've got fandoms going up against fandoms and they're like, they proper hate each other, don't they? If you're not like, <laughs> you know, it's like mods versus rockers again. <laughs> <laughs> On a bigger scale though. Oh, oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's much bigger scale. It's like you can go to HMV now and they've got like a full section of K-pop and it's fucking mental. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, obviously we've went off on a tangent already, but I want to go back to the beginning with you. Um, so how did it all start out for you? 
were you have you been involved with music your whole life or your parents or anything like that? It goes back to it starts with my parents. I mean, that you know when I mean when I say going back, like we were talking like when music was on tape reels, like you know the big tape yeah. reels, real real tapes. Um, so they would just have music on all those kind of things. So I would just be sitting there listening to various types of music. So you're talking everything from like Shawadi Wadi to like status quo to you know sort of like Motown and all that kind of stuff. I was always kind of had a keen interest in music, even though when I went to school. Um, I didn't study music at all. Yeah. Like I was very aware from music. I mean, I think that's because all that was forced on me in primary and secondary school was classical music. Yeah. You know, so I had this um, Irish music teacher called Mr. McElhenney and he was horrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you were if you weren't getting it, he would just literally shout at you. And he was just like, he, he was like a really strong Irish accent. Uh, so it literally cut through you like a knife when he went at you. Intimidating. Yeah, and getting whacked over the knuckles with a ruler and stuff like that, which doesn't happen in schools now, no, but no, <laughs> did when I went to school in Netherall anyway, Maryport. And that was uh, like, it was always like that. So music kind of, I was really turned off from music at that point in my life. And it wasn't until sort of like, when I finished school and uh, I went into work and then started hanging around with different crowds of people and stuff like that, that yeah. weren't from like the small, small village of Flimby. Yeah. Uh, and then you get into the bigger world of, you know, Whitehaven and working and stuff like that and mixing with different peoples from all, all sorts of different backgrounds and stuff like that. And then, you know, just through like when I was on, on, on the training schemes, you know, going out in Egremont. Yeah, to the old hall. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it was kind of like an old hall thing, but then it was kind of like, when I started seeing different people, they were they were talking about like, oh, we're going to go away to this club called Hacienda. And I was like, right, what, what's that? Oh, yeah. this place in Manchester. I don't know what it was. Never so even word, heard about it. Classical word of mouth, isn't it? That's what yeah, it is. Classical like. word of mouth, right. We're going down Friday night. Uh, meet us at uh, work and we'll pick up in the car and we'll go down. Hmm. So basically went and met these guys. We, we took off down to Manchester, uh, went to the Hacienda. And that's when I first sort of like, sort of understood what was, what going, it, on. What was going on. That was like... You know, because obviously what was what they were playing at the Hold All and what they were playing at Hacienda weren't, weren't quite the same style of music, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was more like Italian sort of piano-based stuff at the Hold All, whereas proper acid house thing was going on in Manchester. Yeah. And it was just it was just a very interesting place. And, I, you know, I was I was kind of getting into it as the Hacienda was kind of coming to its climax, you know what I mean? At so the what, what end year of life. Then? So what, what year did you finish school? Uh, what year did I finish school? 91. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, fucking hell. Uh, so you, uh, you'll have caught it, like, sort of peaking. That was it, was yeah. it 92, really, sort of... Yeah, so it kind of was peaking then. Yeah. So, I, like, the Acid House movement, you know, the M25 raves, all that kind of thing was going on. You know, that was, a, you know, back then, no mobile phones. If you wanted to go to a, a, an illegal rave, you had to, like, find a flyer that had a phone number on it and you had to go into a, a pay, pay phone box that was on the corner of the street. I love it. Ring that number... And then there'd be a message on the end of the phone telling you where to go. Class, I love it. I do. Uh, <laughs> and then so I'm that, going to miss out on all so this. you know it was the hunt. Yeah, you were you were hunting the rave. You know, and when you got there, it would be you know there could be anywhere. I mean, they used to do them all over Cumbria in caves and places like yeah. that. You know, there was just so much stuff going on, but it was just like. I've heard the, the classic stories of the of the cave raves and yeah up on up on top of the. Um, the fucking mountains and stuff like that, like yeah, just random places. I, I love that. I love all that. But uh, I wanted to get onto the sort of hacienda thing. You obviously you didn't know what it was when you were heading down, so it was just like, oh, we're going down here. That that's your your first perception of what the hacienda was. 
yeah, that was it. I mean, he went in. It was just this big room, and it was so just you like had very no industrial. Pre prelude to what to what to expect or anything like that. No, nothing at all. And then you went to Tatsunoda. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's class. That is. I don't know. It's just class. Like because when uh, obviously you said you'd watched a couple of the episodes as well. When when I get into things like I. I proper research everything like when before I do it. So I, oh, there was no ability to research things like that. You know, we didn't yeah. have the internet. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean, but like, but like, even you're in tapes or out like that. Like before, and it's I just thought I just think like before I go anywhere, I've always got a picture in my head of what it's going to be like. Or like, like I said, like I've said, I've said on previous podcasts when I used to listen to tapes of say a certain place. Yeah, well, and it was a guy. What the, it's like from the atmosphere. Well, it was a guy I travelled into work with, right? Uh, and he was from Maryport, and it, like, so he 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 was going away quite a lot, and he was like a few a few a couple of years older than me, so yeah. he was already going out and going away and stuff like that. And it was him who kind of sort of like t- taught me around into it. And he'd have the tapes on in the car going to work and yeah. coming home from work and stuff like that. And it was like that kind of intrigued me more than anything else. Uh, I, I was also seeing a girl at the time, and she was kind of into sort of like the zone, we can pay stuff and all that kind of thing. So I'd go to some of the early zone stuff in Blackpool, yeah. uh, and then you know I'd end up at, at Hackett's on the on, on Central Pay and stuff like yeah. that. Right. So that was like where all the house heads would kind of go, you know. And so I was kind of like I was kind of trying to just sample yeah, all these yeah, different yeah. things, and then um, you know that was coming into like sort of like night like uh, like you know, mid nineties. Then sort of like ninety seven, I started seeing this other girl, and like they were into like. We went we went down to Liverpool for a weekend um, because this girl I was seeing her mate when it was we said oh we're going to go to this club in Liverpool called Cream right once again no idea what it was right okay. no conception of what was going on so there you were, you sort of guided into the music the music that you you like then really just coincidentally like oh we like this we're going to go to this do you want to come yeah it um, was always that it was always that thing of it was quite serendipitous from the point of you know oh we're going somewhere do you want to come and i was like yeah, yeah well i had nothing else to do other than the fact i was playing rugby yeah um after outside of rugby and training i wasn't really doing anything so it was kind of like oh i'll you know i'll experience new things um and the, you know the trip down Liverpool was you know went down you know we we stayed in the Adelphi Hotel which mm. you you wouldn't even stay anywhere near now but at the time it was quite a decent hotel uh, back then. So, like, <laughs> in fact, where the Adelphi Hotel is, does one of the bounce meccas just over the road used to be over the road the O five one. Yeah, the O five one. So have you been there? Yeah, been it went in the O five one. Yeah, that's a, that was actually somewhere I went after a, after I'd gone to Cream. Because that was like open until like God knows what time yeah, in the yeah, morning. Yeah. I think it was the six o'clock finish that most nights. Yeah. So 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 you, we're talking mid nineties. I'm trying to gather. What, so when you went down, what what DJs were, were on in a cream? Like, did you know? Did you know who you were going to see? Because they all guaranteed always had a big name every weekend. Yeah, pretty so, much. I walked into cream and. The first thing, the first thing that got me about Cream was because obviously you walk down all these back streets, you get to, you got to uh, the square outside of Nation, yeah. and there was like a bar over the road, but I mean it's not there now, and that was just banging out so like loads of house music and stuff like that. And I was just leaning against the wall outside wall in the queue waiting to go into Cream, and all I could hear was this, nice. and I was like, the wall was literally vibrating, and I was like, wow, this is good, and literally paid money to get in, walked in and walked into the main room and right at the end of the main room was the dj standing it was like a picture frame like a big gilded sort of golden picture right. frame and Elegant. in the 
in the <laughs> middle of that picture frame was Pete Tong. Class. That's class. <laughs> I was like, and I was sort of like, at the time, like, it was just sort of like, wow, it was this. But the, the, the thing that, that took my breath away more than anything was the ferociousness of the sound system. Right. Like, my chest just felt like it was going to cave in. That's and that was my, that, and that was my first experience of like a really big, massive club sound system. Yeah. I mean, Hacienda was good, but there was that many people in there, you just couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Cream, it was kind of, we were in there early and it was just you and a few people in the sound system and the, the, literally the sound system took my breath away. Uh, who was it? I think it might have been Chris on the podcast. Lockie, Lockie said on it, he said when he went down, he said the first thing he noticed about Cream when he was in there was that you could feel everything, every single yes. piece, and it was sort of... It was thunderous. Like it class. was unbelievable. Somewhere I never went as well. Too, too young for that. Um, so, obviously, Tongi was laying it down in, in the main room, and then I went into the annex, uh, and this is how I got into... Set, like This is how I kind of discovered what genres of, of dance music I liked. Yeah. Um, and I went into the annex, uh, and there was this, there was this guy playing... Um, and he had this like major like like really sort of everybody was well dressed as well. Liverpool always has been, I think. That even do you know what? Like we're in it, and like one of the things I noticed, like everybody was like super well dressed, Dolce and Gabbana, Gucci, and everything, you know. And that I think like Liverpool a lot. yeah, <laughs> and it's to- I, I, yeah. that is textbook Liverpool. Um, and I wa- walked into the annex, and there was this guy playing uh, called Paul Oakenfold, and he was playing the most unbelievable trans music. Um, nice. And I must have spent the rest of the night in there. Right. Um, Plus, I like it. And that was kind of my in, indoctrination to yeah, what too. when I first. Well, that's when I knew I liked house music and I love trance music. Yeah. Um, and that was the love affair that began with Cream, and that's when I started looking beyond Cream because back back then when you come out of Cream, there'd be like a lot of people stood around with like plastic bags full of flyers. flyers yeah, yeah, yeah. So I literally got these plastic bags full of flyers and I just started looking through them all thinking, right, I want to go there, I want to go there, I want to go there and just started, that kind of sort of like whetted my appetite for Clubland right. and getting into the clubs, you know, like Gate Crasher um, and, and the um, there was this church in um, in Birmingham called God's Kitchen. Yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. And it was a, basically a converted church into a nightclub. Oh, honestly, yeah. what an amazing place. And it was kind of like, that's when I started to understand what, what music was all about and what the what the scene was all about. So at this point, you've you've went off in your own direction, really. You're not going, someone's not going to you, oh, we're going to this fancy company. It was, yeah. I'm actively hunting for what I'm looking for. Like, where's Oaken for that? Yeah, like that, that type of thing. I mean, literally, Oakenfold was resident at Cream, so I was pretty much going to Cream quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and then it was kind of one night I was just sort of in there, and this is how DJing started for me. Mm. Um, I pretty much, pretty much sat in the annex again, Oakenfold doing his thing, banging night, and he finished his set, uh, and I just thought, you know what, I want to get a, I want to get a photograph with him because he's, he's like, but this time, like, sort of like. So the super club era is coming in, yeah, 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 and it's getting bigger. Um, and D- you know, D- mix mag D- and D- DJ, DJ mag, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and the DJ was becoming the celebrity, the, yeah, the personality, yeah, well. so not just the guy in the corner, like we said before, yeah, yeah. just not like a guy in a corner, you know, you know, the DJ became the the focus. At this point, though, you've got to, there's 
there's like your Carl Cox's, uh, Fat Boy Slim. There's there's a lot of people getting into the the charts, so they become they are becoming celebrities. Yeah. Dance music's becoming mainstream, so there was yeah. so much stuff coming out that you know, I had literally you know every time I went to Cream, I'd come back with a CD. You know whether it was um, one of the um, Resurrection sort of um, they they had this sort of like house music sort of thing where they had like Alistair Whitehead, John Pleased Women, Jeremy Healy, all putting these. Um, CDs out and literally I was just buying I was just buying all these CDs just, just to you know, hear new music isn't just it? so I could yeah. hear the music and you know take the club home with me and you know in, have that in my car all the time as well and it was that one night I was like right, I want to get a picture with Oakenfold because you know it's a big deal yeah. uh, so I, went, I waited, for, waited until he finished the set and he came out of the DJ box and I'm stood there and I get a photograph with him and I just started talking to him and I just said to him I was like how, how do you get into this how, how does how do you become a DJ <laughs> Uh, and he just turned around to me and he went, he went, um, just get some turntables and, you know, get yourself some vinyl. And yeah. I said, well, where, where, where do I start? And he went, oh, there's a shop in Liverpool called 3B Records, go up there. Yeah, legendary um, shop as well. Yeah, and that's where it all began for me. So, you know, I went home. Um, so how old are you at this point? Uh, at this point, it's 90, so we're into 97 now. Yeah. Ni 97, so... <laughs> How old am I now? Uh, probably about nineteen, twenty. Right, yeah. So you've 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 got the bug, and then you you want another all the tunes, and you you sort of see actively seeking to become a DJ. Just want to ask as well for the listeners: Have you got the photo still of you and Oakenfold? I have. Can you send me? It? I'll put it on the screen. <laughs> I'll try and match it out. I'll try. It's probably at my mum's house actually, um, but I do have it. Yeah, no worries. I'll I'll go. I'll, I'll put it on uh, a young Simon, uh, <laughs> a cream with Oakenfold. It's, it's it's a good memory to have though, isn't it? A good look back on and it's an of. excellent memory. Um, and it's kind of what what kind of started it for me. So obviously went home and you know obviously because I was buying DJ mag and stuff like that. Once again, internet wasn't really that great then, so you couldn't really order anything online, no even online online stores. So basically, in DJ Mag, right at the back of DJ Mag, in the classifieds, right, what can I buy? So did you know what you were looking for at all at this point? Like, no, I didn't have a did, clue. Yeah, like cause I remember getting into DJ myself, um, and I've told this story a couple of times, but like the, the bits I haven't mentioned of like when I got into to DJ and that I didn't know anybody around me. No one was a DJ. Yeah. So, like, there was, like, I remember getting, this is sad, this, like, but, like, <laughs> I remember getting, I remember getting a, a, like, a turntable with a, with a belt drive with a pitch control and I had one that didn't have one. So I'd have to play at the same speed wherever that was. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then, so, and it might be confusing, but this is how it was. So say, me yeah. pitch control on the left and me normal deck on the right, it was like a Kenwood, I got it from like a, a cash converter or something. Yeah, like, like a standard turntable with yeah. like a thirty-five and a forty-five yeah, setting, so, and that was it. So what I do is I'd start off if I was I was going to do like an hour-long mix to record to listen back to to see how, how my DJM was going and stuff. I'd start off with whatever the BPM was on that record at forty-five, for instance. So we're playing and I'd mix in using the the mixable <laughs> deck, right? With the but pitch control. I, yeah, but uh. what I'd have to do is when I put the next tune on there. I'd have to adjust the the the, the tunes BPM that's already playing on there to to mix in. It was so hard. I tell you like, what, you certainly learned the hard way there. Yeah, like, no, you definitely no, did it. But, uh, but nobody <laughs> nobody told me at the time. Like I went and got it, and I come back and I was like, "Oh, this doesn't have one of them." Still, I didn't know what that was called. Didn't know what it or anything. So nobody told me, and I didn't. I didn't have anyone to think. It was only when I started getting. I think it was like a. 
uh, I used to get a magazine. It wasn't DJ Mag. It was a uh, the Hard to Find Records. Remember that? Oh yeah, Hard to Find Records <laughs> Mag. And, and it'd be yeah, like, I used oh. to get that. It used to come through every so often, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and you yeah. were like scouring so through that, it. I was yeah. just like, right. So this is this one's because you'd say like features on the deck, and you're like, right, this one's got pitch controls. So I know, <laughs> I know, I know to look out for this. And then obviously that that lasted for about six months until I could save enough money there. But for you, what what was the what was the thing like? Because obviously you didn't know where a belt drive was, you didn't know where a direct drive was, you didn't no, know what what I didn't the have a clue. were or anything. I was just looking through this this magazine, and one of the lads who played rugby with he just happened to have some turntables. Like he 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 just happened to be indigent, didn't even know he was into it. Yeah. And he basically said, "Oh, you want to get some like direct drives and like get make sure you get like a maybe like a three channel mixer, two channel mixer at least." And I was like, "Right, okay." So I was looking through DJ Mag and I was like, I rang this company up and like they said, oh, well, why don't you try like the SoundLab DLP3s with this Gemini 626 mixer? You know, it's one of our like good starter packages, yeah. you know, and it should get you going. Is this mail order at this point? Yeah, mail order. This is yeah. like over the phone. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like literally order it over the phone, <laughs> give you bank details and all that kind of shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then next, you know, then it arrived a few days later, but obviously then... Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of vinyl, yeah. so it was a case of right now I need to start buying vinyl, I need to start finding record shops to go and buy the, vinyl. What was the first record you bought? Can you remember? <sighs> yeah, I do. Daft Punk Burning from HMV in Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's not something I thought you'd go for, man. Like, I don't know why. You just. I think that was because I, I was in Newcastle on a night out and it was just started wandering HMV and just started rushing through some vinyl, so I bought a few other bits and pieces as well that I was looking for, but it wasn't until I went down to Cream about. about three or four weeks later that I then went into three beat records yeah and that's when I met Les Calvert right right so then you've got a rough idea, a rough idea of what you should be looking for at this point then right <laughs> well this is this is how much this is how much I think you know Les kind of you know he's a, he's a great guy absolutely brilliant guy you know and he's helped so many people in this industry it's unreal he doesn't get the recognition he deserves yeah so I walk into three beat records after a night of cream Les is there and he's like, "All right, lad. Yeah." I says, "I, I says I'm looking for some like some some vinyl." He's like, "Oh, what are you into?" I says, "Well, I'm into like house and trans." And he went, "You want Oki tunes?" Yeah, <laughs> I went, he knew straight away. And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> and he was like, "I'll sort you out, lad. Don't worry." And, then, right. and he just come with this like massive stack of vinyl. I mean, right over there, lad. And then testing them out on the table. Yeah, and then just listening to them, and, that, and, and that's where it kind of that's when crate digging become a hobby. Can Can I ask a question? Like, because this, this this is also something I done. So when you were checking the records out, we we look listening out for Oti Dokum full play. It didn't necessarily need to be like a good tune, but oh, I heard Dokum full play that it must be good. Yeah, uh, that's what I was like at first. When that's I was exactly how I started. Yeah. He and played then you that cream last your own night. Taste after that, don't you? Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like it grew from that, and then it was kind of like me understanding what I liked and what I didn't like, and that's where my that's where my relationship with Les and Three Beat Records started. Yeah, uh, and it got that good that you know I couldn't obviously going out to Liverpool every weekend was expensive. Yeah, um, so it was a case of Les said, "Well, we'll, we'll do mail order." He says, "So you give me a budget, and then every week I will send you a pack of vinyl." Right. And then what you don't like, what you don't like, just send us back and then I'll credit your account. Right. So he gave me like an account and so every week he'd send me a load of load of vinyl, house and trance stuff. Right. I'd pick out what I liked and send the other stuff back. And then he would just credit on my account. So what we what And that we, went on for what, years. What was your preference at this point? Like well, I know that you love house and trance, but like what were you what were you leaning towards? I was leaning towards trance music. I was massively you, leaning you, towards just that before way. the boom at this point as well, like when everyone says trance in the good old days, they say 98, 99, don't they? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. 99, 2000. So 
at this point you you sort of you're getting into something that's about to blow up yeah, no, but I didn't realise that. Yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. just trying to, I was getting all of my vinyl and trying to learn to DJ. And it was yeah. a case of, like, I wasn't taught to DJ. I basically sort of worked out that, you know. How it worked, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. How, how, it, how it worked out. So it was a case of, I, I had a crack with my mate at rugby training and he said, well, all you do is, like, put one record on, then, like, you set it off to play and then, you know, get another record on and then, you know. Yeah, you've got you to know, learn your beats, your bars and all you know, that, and then... Learn, learn how to keep them in time first, yeah. you know, so start with learning how to keep them in time, then start trying different records and stuff like that. So the first thing I did was buy two records exactly the same, Yeah, put them on the on the platters, set one off at one speed, one off at another, and yeah. then just try to keep them in time. And then, in there, and then I, I, and I just spent hours and hours and hours, it drove mum and dad right up the wall, um, just, just, just honing that beat matching skill. Yeah. Uh, and that was the whole thing it was just and then just adding more records in adding more records in the same record was not off the top of my head I could Darude Sandstorm right good I'd, choice I'd, no well I'd, it's just one of them things I, obviously if you listen to the original mix of it on the vinyl um, I used to set them off at the same time and I'd, I'd chase the beat until uh, no one that bass signs coming that offbeat bass signs coming in yeah. and if, if I could get if I could get it just nice and matched all the way to the break, <laughs> I'd be like, nice, yeah. it's moved, the, the, the ball's rolling, you're getting better, and then and then it went from there to the first eight bars, so we get in on the first eight bars, and then hold it to the break, there you go, it's, it's getting better, and then, do you know what I mean, it just goes from there, that was that was mine, the two, the two same vinyls, uh, I didn't discover that until later, so I was trying to mix one tune into another, right, and it wasn't really working, but then I thought, that, that bulb came off my head, and I was like, well, if it's the same record, they're going to be at the same speed, so then I can practice that. Oh, yeah. So it, it didn't, it didn't, in, in my head at first, it didn't click to get the two of the same record. Yeah, I, and, I, and I don't know where I got that idea from. I don't know if I yeah. read it somewhere in one of D, in DJ it Mag like, or something like that. Yeah. I, I've, I've got it from somewhere, but it was just that thing of I had two records and I just started off into two records, moving the pitch around, chasing the beats, you know, getting it all matched up and then going again, learning mixing and mix out points as well. Yeah. I mean, trance records were great because the intros were like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. you know, you had plenty of time to get it in, to get it in. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, if you miss that last point, you just got to forget a minute half of drums to, to, to go <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah. it can become quite monotonous in some <laughs> ways. But back then, I think people had bigger attention spans as well. Yeah. That's, uh, I'll get into this as well, but like, I love listening to trance music, even the new stuff now. Like, I, 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 I listen to like, state of trance, I listen to, um, the the ferry cause and show the is resignation yeah. is it called now he's renamed it now isn't it? it used to be Causen's countdown but and I listen to it and I struggle a little bit like keeping my focus on the the sort of one thirty trance because it's not quite as melodic as as the the the, the one three eight stuff that we're yeah. so for me I, I've got a preference of the one three eight stuff but I've discovered now even trance music because obviously if you listen to house now sometimes it's only eight by intro and drop into <laughs> the thing. But even with trance, I think the intros and everything are getting shorter. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. don't like it. Like I, I, of preference, if I like, I sometimes write a record. Right? I have even a theory on why the, why that is. TikTok in it. It's got not well. <laughs> I think TikTok does play a part in it, but I think this harks back to sort of like sort of like 2013 onwards when you know lineups were stacked full of big names and they paid yeah. like for an hour. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. So the so the artists were like trying to get as many tracks in in that hour as they possibly could. But they didn't I think really, that 
didn't realise what they were conditioning the crowd till only like short specs burst of songs yeah. there and chasing the drop all the time yeah. as well. Like, and I think lineups now have kind of changed to go back the other way where there's there's less DJs mm. on a lineup now, so that there's more time to play to sort of like so they can do more with their music and stuff like that. If as as a punter, like I'd rather like this is just my preference. It doesn't mean for everyone. I'd rather watch four good DJs on a night than fourteen. Yeah. Like, if if I know the like, if I see a, li- a, a list of four or five good DJs on a lineup, I pick that over twenty good DJs that I know. But like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just because I know they're gonna, I'm gonna invest my time into listening to them, and and they might start in one place and end in another. Whereas if I'm going to watch these 14 other good DJs, I'm only going to get short bursts and they're going to be, it's going to be like listening to like a queen, the best of, like he's going to, that's what, no, but do you know what I mean? You're only going to get a best of. In yeah. That, you're that pretty time. much, they're pretty much just going to go and nail it for like a full hour. And then, you yeah. know, yeah, but it's like, if you, if you watch that, it's like every DJ is like going hammer and tongue for an hour, hammer and tongue for an hour. Yeah. And it's just like, by the end of it, you like think, well, that was an all right night, but where was, where was the rest of it? There's no you know, journey. Know. Where, was, where was the journey? I, I find, I find, I I'm, I'm I'm a bad person for this myself. I I find that I'll I'll get new music and I'll get I'll finish even my own tracks and stuff off, and f- like it sounds bad saying it, but like you always just stick to to um, playing big bangers. You don't, yeah. you don't I don't I don't experiment as as much as I should. So like my I've got a, this is my <laughs> brain working, but this is my 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 DJ theory. What I do is I play two tracks. That, that I, I know yeah. work and I play one that I'll think let's see how it goes that's, that's, that's my theory throughout um, if you listen to any of my mixes or not like that uh, it'll be like two known tracks and then one that maybe it's not quite a big anthem yeah yeah. Might not never become a big, big anthem or it, but if, or it might if, do later. if you don't try it it's you know DJs are meant to yeah. introduce new music to people but the problem is now is that there's so much stuff going into TikTok Spotify and all that before yeah. DJs can get their hands on a, a, an actual playable mix of it, you know, in some cases. Yeah. So, you know, you find, you know, a lot of guys are going on download, downloading YouTube rips and, you know. Um, this, you mentioned the Spotify thing. A lot of the house music now, I, I, I follow, um, uh, what I can't remember what it's called now, uh, House UK. Do yeah. You know, on um, Spotify, the official house thing. And I was listening the other day, and I thought that was a good tune, but it seemed like it was finished quick. So I put it back on, and I went back, and it's like I think it was like one minute, fifty seconds full, what the full hell? track. Like yeah, no, and but the thing that, is, that doesn't even qualify. That's an intro. The thing is though, <laughs> it's a smart fucking thing because guess what? I thought hey, that was fucking really good. That tune. Went back and played it again. So they're getting yeah, they're getting two players for the price of one. Do you know what I mean? I, I know it's all. It's all marketing and Well, stuff if like you think that. about the price you get off Spotify for a player, was it not point not not four eight pence or something yeah, like it's that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but then again, if everyone goes back and listens to it again because they think oh, that was decent, they, you listen to it more times. Which it's, it's you shooting yourself in the foot, aren't you? If you, if you definitely make a one, one minute fifty, because like even I generally don't I generally don't don't go on Spotify that much just because yeah. of that. I'm just kind of it's just like it's oversaturation for me. Mm. you know it's hard to, to to sort of like 
separated out. Well, I mean, the extended mixes like, of, of when, a track like that, it will only be what well, yeah. two and a half minutes, three minutes. Probably, yeah. But I was kind of like, well, I think about when I when I went when, when I first started DJing. It was kind of like I was always looking when when you first when I was first DJing when you when it was all on vinyl, you were looking for the track that nobody else had. Yeah. You were looking for that white label or that one piece of vinyl that nobody else had. So when you played it out, everybody thought, wow, that was him. And that kind of harks back to like the Northern Soul sort of thing when all the Northern Soul DJs were fighting for vinyls, like yeah. seven inch vinyls. To just, they wanted that piece of vinyl that nobody else had because it gave them so much credence. You know, like. Some people, like yourself, maybe even, so everyone's got signature tunes. Oh, yeah, yeah a lot of people have got signature now, tunes. Yeah. In the last 10 years, 15 years. They don't have signature tunes because everyone's got them tunes. <laughs> do you know what? No, yeah. do you know what at least it sounds like we're going down a negative route, but it, it's not that at all. It's we should make music great again like that. Like I think that needs to happen, but I think it's mm. just that because it, because it's it's so easily made now and it's so and, and it's turned out that quickly that it's yeah. become for me a bit too throwaway. You know, yeah, and, no and one think, appreciates an anthem, do they? Not like, not anymore. You know, and it's you know maybe it's just because I'm old, but you you know they're all say you know you put a lot of people say oh it's not as good as it used to be, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. I I don't know. It's a generation thing in some respects. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about me when I mean in '97. That's when like sort of like DJing became a thing for me, and that's when I started to explore it more. You know, and you know I went on holiday to Ibiza for the first time in '97. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is a good time to go as well. Uh, it was ninety seven, ninety eight. You seem to be you, you. You seem to be doing all the things that I'd do if I had the choice of being <laughs> alive at a certain point. Like I'd love to have have went to sort of the the raves in the early nineties, and then I'd love to have went to Ibiza late nineties. And yeah, you you you're hitting all the right spots. Do you know what I mean? I think I was just fortunate more than anything else. You know, I went to Ibiza once again, no expectations. I stayed in this hotel um, in San Antonio. And what back, made you want to go, by the way? Like, sorry for interrupting, but just... <laughs> the last like, I was saying at the time, she said, oh, should we go to Beitha? And I was like, yeah, fine. There's loads of good clubs and stuff. I was like, yeah, let's go. Right, okay. Like, so, I just whether you'd seen a flyer or something so like, like that, or... See, a lot of my time was, like, sort of, like, early days, like, going out in Egremont Whitehaven, going yeah. up in the park and stuff like that, and, yeah. you know, like, she were writing people like that were DJing upstairs in the park, and that was kind of, like, sort of, like, all right, there's a lot of guys playing this kind of music. What else is out there? Yeah. And kind of going on that little journey of discovery, you know, discovering Hacienda, then Cream, then Gate Crasher, you know, God's Kitchen, yeah. uh, Ministry of Sound. You know, all those wonderful yeah. places, you know, the lead mill in Sheffield and all, all those kind of places like that. Um, um, you know, I went to this club in Birmingham once called Wobble. No idea why yeah, they called it Wobble. Yeah, it was yeah. called Wobble. So it was basically in this building, like like an old Victorian building on a corner of a street. And it, it used to be like a ballroom or something like that. And the, the dance floor was really spongy. Yeah. And that's why it was called Wobble. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you, you couldn't did you, stand did up you in there. Did you ever go to uh, Trade or not like that? So, no, I never went to Trade or anywhere like that. I mean, obviously, I went to um, Garland's in Liverpool and yeah, place yeah, there, yeah. but I never got to Trade or anywhere like that. Right. Um, I went to the first Creamfields. Right. What year was that? <laughs> 98, 99. So were uh, they promoing that at Cream? Like, were they saying, right, we're doing this concept of a, of a festival? Yeah, it was like a one-day festival then. Right, right. Um, Interesting. So, I mean, my musical inspiration came from sort of like, that's when I started discovering Radio 1, you know, Pete Tong, Judge yeah, Jules, list, you know, like Essential that. Mix. And that's when I started to like try to understand where all the good music was. Yeah. And then I'd be on the phone with Les going, right, Les, have you got this? Have you got this? Have you got this? Have you got this? And he'd be like sending it all up in the records. So I'm sending records backwards and forwards with Les. <laughs> wow. 
practicing, doing, started doing mixtapes, giving mixtapes out to my mates and all that kind of thing. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, these are actually quite good. You know, right. you're onto something here. And then um, just carrying on with that, then going to Ibiza, uh, experiencing uh, S Paradise in Ibiza. What, and that came along, like just sat on the beach, yeah. you know, and they come along with the flyers and to get in, it was like 20 euros to get in right. and you got three free drinks to go to Manu, <laughs> to, to go to Manu Mission. Yeah, class. Uh, and I remember turning up for this Manu Mission party and walking in and didn't know what the hell was going on. And they were on stage. Uh, John Kelly was playing, uh, another big Liverpool DJ. Yeah. There's, a, there's a big, strong Liverpool connection with a lot of stuff I've yeah. done. Absolutely. I, uh, I feel always drawn towards it all the time. My favourite yeah. DJs are out of Liverpool. I think my, my, my favourite tunes were broke in liverpool as well like you know where it came yeah. through and then then tunes are getting played all around the northwest and uh, yeah. for me that's what that's a big thing yeah. um yeah um unbeknownst to me did i know that like because I, I, I was adopted at an early age that mm. all my family lived in liverpool as well mm. which was <laughs> I didn't know that. yeah so yeah, crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i i'm actually i was actually born in liverpool oh, as well it's like a natural connection to it as well yeah. like how you, you, you but it was at, at the time it was subliminal because i didn't even know yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a th that that was until like I sat down with my parents that I lived now that I lived at the time and they basically told me the whole story and like that's when I started the journey of discovery. But that's another story. Mental. <laughs> um, and then you know, I mean, so I mean, I mean, S Paradise, Manumissions on, they're all on stage. There's a big show going on, uh, and then there's the, the the music's playing, and then they do this mock wedding. So they come out. There's a guy dressed as a vicar. There's a, there's a bride. There's a groom. There's a best man. Mental. There's a maid of honor. There's a wedding party and everything like that then the vicar just stands in and goes i now pronounce you husband and wife the tunes just fire back up again and next minute they all just get the clothes off and start shagging on stage oh wow <laughs> <That> was <just> <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is going on yeah, that is weird but entertainment was <laughs> and mission it wasn't until i started looking more about manumission i was talking to a guy um uh on on the beach at San Antonio, which wasn't very big at the time, then it was like the tiniest beach ever. Obviously, mm. it's had a bit more development over the years. And I said, I couldn't get over it. Like they've just started, like got naked and just started getting on with each other. And I was like, and he was like, oh yeah, that's what they do all the time. Yeah, that's just normal manumission. That's what happens all the time. This is a beta. Wow, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that. You caught me off guard there. Well. <laughs> yeah, um... and it had this massive swimming pool as well oh. for for some reason in the middle of it. And there was a guy DJing in the toilets. Oh, well, any opportunity? <laughs> uh, on, 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 on turntables, in the toilets, and it was just a very surreal experience, you know. What was a, a Ibiza like? Because like, obviously you've been to Cream and you say you've been gear crashed and all, and all these big places, was it still at another level when you when you went there? Oh, yeah, it was... It was like nothing. It was like nothing on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I thought I'd discovered something big when I was going to Cream and exactly, there was loads of people going to Cream. That, yeah. But going to Ibiza changed everything. And when I came back from Ibiza, that's what directed me to push with DJ more right. and start getting mixtapes out locally. And that's kind of when the story kind of moves to when I when I met Millsy. Right. So I was training in interim and, you know, I was just, you know, Alan who was running the gym, he was like, oh, he's, he's a DJ in there. So... Me and Millsy just kind of started talking to each other in the gym. Right. Um, and we're talking about stuff like that. 
And then I'd been handing out mixtapes around Workington and ended up in, I gave one to this guy called Dave Harris who ran a club called Main Street. And he said, oh, why don't you come down on a Friday? Because we're dead. He says, maybe you can get a load of your mates to come in as well. Is this your first gig then? This is the first gig. And this is where the first gig came in. Uh, and it was kind of like, he'd listened to the mixtape and I came in and played on, got in and played on the, at the beginning of the night. And then some of my mates came around. So it was like 20 of my mates who were all rugby lads and stuff like that. Yeah, they, yeah, came, yeah. they came and supported us and stuff like that. And then Millsy landed in with a load of his mates. And that's yeah. when we kind of started talking about it. And then we met in the gym after that. Right. And I was like, oh, I seen you in Main Street, you were DJing. He said, yeah, I'm a DJ too. And I was like, why don't we do something together then? Right. Um, see, I didn't know. This is this is an eye opener for me. I didn't know this either. So me and Millsy met in the gym, mm. which is quite ironic. Where's uh, Where's mainstream at, by the way? I mean, well, you know, Weatherspoons. Yeah. Um, the, the, that used to be a cinema, and yeah. there used to be a pub underneath it called the Bull and Butch, which was like more of a like rock pub. And yeah. It was like you know, you went in there, you got a fight. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, you could go. So you could go downstairs into the Bull and Butch for a fight. Yeah. Um, or you could go to the cinema, or there was Main Street, which was on the top yeah. floor of of this building which you know uh used to be called the rendezvous cinema and so that was just a club there it then became it shut down for a while after that and then became isis yeah. and then after that it shut down because of fusion and then yeah. that's where the kind of the fusion story comes into it a bit yeah. so obviously i had we dj'd in main street and so me and millsy decided to start doing gigs together right uh, one of the one of the one of the gigs first gig we did was one of the guys who was an instructor called craig in interim so the three of us got together and we put on this party for the student for the students at, uh, at the college right and we called it the ibiza beach ball right and so we what we did was because i'd seen all this shit in ibiza ah you were like trying <laughs> to put your vision of what it was like yeah so craig, craig was a joiner so craig got a load of like mdf and med like a cream sign ministry yeah. of sound sign and you know all the big club name signs so we hung all them up in there yeah. we got this uh, we went uh, we had to go to Lee to get it we, we got this big roll of white material right right and stuck it in my mum's bath with a load of fireproofing and then we hung it across the stage at the Forum Nightclub, which was which now doesn't exist anymore because yeah. it's got knocked down when it was the it was like on the back of the Westlands Hotel. Yeah, I know yeah, right, yeah. So um, there was a Forum Nightclub and we they had like a big stage where they used to have like PAs on and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, they they had like um think of any sort of girl group at the time in, in the mid nineties yeah, yeah, and they were all there. Lads on the podcast all, all saints and things it, like that have yeah, all played yeah, yeah. there, you know, there was loads of that going on. Um, and our right, he was a resident on the Saturday with Phil Goddall and yeah. Mally Chung. Yeah. And so we just did this night on a Friday. So we, we not only did we do all the decor and we put this big white sheet across the front of the stage and we lit it up from the back and yeah. we got some of our mates to dance behind it. Right. And it just like casting these silhouettes onto it. So there's like me, Mills A, Craig DJ, and you know, we'd, we'd organized the event, we'd done the promo, done the flyers, sold tickets. Yeah. Um, got all the venue set up ready looking to go we'd fill dance floor full of balloons we'd glitter in them right. so when the balloons oh, popped they were getting covered in glitter oh it was messy as fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and we even talked to like Stagecoach which was Cumberland Motor Service at the time and yeah. they put buses on from all over the place for the, you know in relation to the college so we had a bus from Penrith we had a bus from Cockermouth a bus from Whitehaven a bus from Maryport and we just brought all these people there was like I think there was about 800 kids class just came in on this Friday night and we just filled the forum and just had it had it all big all night. We were just playing all our and we were just playing all our tunes, eh? Yeah. All the tunes that Millsy loved, all the tunes that I loved, all the tunes that Craig loved. We just played all our tunes that we just wanted to play to everybody. And honestly, it was the best night I <laughs> <laughs> to that point that I had ever had. Class. And 
we they offered us a residency off the back of it. They said, well, do you want to do something else? And then we said, well, should we do an under 18s night? So we started doing an under 18s night there on a they Friday. Saw money signs, didn't they? Yeah, we this... knew there was 800 sort of getting in. And, and I think that was just because I had like a big group of friends. Millsy had a big group of friends. Yeah. And like all our friends kind of got friends with each other. So we had this just this massive network of friends. Yeah. Um, who would just turn up to see us play wherever it was. Class. And, you know, so we started doing under 18s night and we were selling it out. It was packed every week. It was that good that the, the owners of the forum got like accommodation from the police saying like, since you started doing this under 18s night, you know, um, social bad behaviour, anti-social behaviour is like pretty much being eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, um, Plus. So they were really happy about that. Did you keep the Ibiza Beach Ball? No, name? we just called it an under 18s night. Oh, the Ibiza Beach Ball was just something that we came up with. It was like an idea that Millsy came up with. Why did we just call it Ibiza Beach Ball? And we like hung all these beach balls up as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus, Plus. So how long did that go on for them? The, 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 the under 18s at the forum uh, I think I lasted it was a oh god it went on for about six months because like the forum was kind of going downhill because ISIS had opened in town yeah. so obviously that had kind of become the new place yeah. and it had been it's done e out easy access and all that easy access yeah, and all yeah. that so it kind of sort of was a decline for the forum um, and so it kind of ended and so me, me and Mills were like at the end of it mm. so when it came to the end and the forum closed we were like well, what are going to do I says why don't we just buy a sound system and see if we can do any gigs in town Mm. so me and Mills had got a sound system and went halves on it and then we just started doing gigs around town in all the bars in town yeah um, and it was th this is sort of like we're sort of like going into like 98 into 99 and part way through 99 it was um, that started building Fusion so we knew there was a, a nightclub getting built but we had yeah. no idea who was building it or what was behind it yeah and I was sat um, at rugby training and the guy who one of the guys who played rugby with on the door company a guy called Paul Harrison everybody knew him as hockey yeah. um, I mean he's passed away a few years back now and, but he, he's another guy who, who sort of helped me on my way because he, he got me my first sort of like big gig yeah. at the forum so where I warmed up for Nigel Ben <laughs> so I don't know if anybody knows but Nigel Ben was a you know a boxer yeah. he was massive at the time you know him and Chris Eubank were going toe to toe many so occasions like, yeah so it's like a celebrity so that was like appearance yeah like so that was him DJing yeah so it's like Craig Charles isn't it? Is well yeah it's a bit like now? Craig Charles or anybody like yeah. that now you know James Haskell who's you know yeah. gave up rugby and becoming a, a big DJ yeah. um, and so he he was like he was like oh look um, is this new club going to get built in Workington he said um, I know the owner he said uh, I'll get you an in introduction so I, you know I rang Mills I was like mate this is this is it I said uh, this is our chance this is our chance yeah. he said I've got us a meeting with a guy called Ron Adams in Whitehaven right. um, at, the, at the John Paul Jones. I said, what can we possibly do to impress him? So Mills was like, right, let's get some mix tapes together. He said, let's put get like a PowerPoint. We'll put a PowerPoint together. <laughs> I was like, is that not a bit much? And he was like, no, no, we'll do it. And I was like, right. So we sat and made this PowerPoint, got all mixed tapes and we went through it to see Ron. We sat down with Ron and took him through everything that we thought about and all our ideas about dance music and stuff like that. And Did you be able to see the... Um enthusiasm of it so i bet you that was a big part of it it was yeah because we we had a big group of friends but we also had this massive enthusiasm and it was kind of like we because we'd done the abitha beach ball people were starting to recognize that we were djs and uh, people were understanding what we we're all about yeah and so we sat with ron and ron said right i want you to come to another meeting in in cockermouth with yeah. the with the other owners because it was like there, was, there wasn't just him yeah there was other owners you know yeah, like, uh, shareholders sort of thing 
yeah, basically the money people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was Tony and Anne Waring, um, uh, a guy from Thomas Armstrong's, and a guy called David, who's got like an accountancy firm in Cockermouth. Yeah. Um, so we went through to the Fletcher Christian, we sat with them, took them through the same presentation. <laughs> Um, they asked us a few questions about design and all that kind of stuff mm. um, and then said the only thing we don't have is a name for the club so Ron basically turned around to us and said look lads he said you'll get the gig if you can name the club right what was some of the ideas that came up then so this is that? how we got to Fusion right so me and Mills went back to his house and yeah. we got the dictionaries out got thesauruses out and all sorts and we were just looking through thinking words just throwing stuff out there and all that kind of stuff and then I just started thinking, like, because of like where Millsy works and where where I've worked, I just said, I said fusion. What's what's fusion in the dictionary? And he was like, oh, I looked at fusion. It's like, oh, like things coming together, you know, bringing stuff together. I was like, that sounds perfect. So I rang run up and went, we think we should call the club fusion. And I said, because we think you know fusion like is where you know nuclear fusion is like you're splitting mm. the atom and you're creating something bigger. Yeah. Whereas like fusion, you could be fusing things together. So it's where people come together to meet. Quality, quality, what a story, <laughs> what a story, like, I, I, honestly, you didn't know the, near, the origins or anything, for anyone watching, there you go, there's a, there's, there's a little uh, fucking easter egg for you. And that's, uh, and that's where Fusion got its name from. Was there any, um, what's the word, honourable mentions, sort of say, of what, what names you come up with, is there anything... Uh, not off what the top of my head. We we it could have been called anything. It could have been called could have been the uh, ready br ready break. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where um, we we came up with so many different names, but yeah. we, that one just kind of it clicked. It like, clicked. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. literally clicked. And when we rang Run Up and told him, he was like, "That's brilliant, guys!" And within three days, the sign had been drawn and they sent it to us. Yeah. And they got us in for another meeting. And what do you think of that? And we were like, "That looks mint." Anyway. It's quite an iconic um, logo, isn't it? Yeah, really? like it looks. Yeah. There's nothing else I've seen like it anyways for that word. No, and that's why I had like the, the, you know, sort of like the lightning going yeah. through and stuff like it. Like it was like an explosion, you know, yeah. like, so we kind of like splitting the atom kind well, of thing going got, on. I honestly didn't know that, but uh, <laughs> class. class. And so me and Millsy became the residents. Yeah. And so Ron then asked us, he says, well, what, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And we said, right, Creamfields is on in September. Um, why don't we go on? Me and Millsy were going with all our friends. I said, why don't you come Creamfields? And we'll show you what we want to do. Yeah. So wrong. Obviously, we went down. Yeah, we stayed at all. We stayed in some like student halls down at Liverpool. Ron went in a stretch limo. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, and we met with him, and we took him into the, the, the like the big circus tent. Yeah. And we went, and we basically put. put we just basically went. Paul Oakenfold's coming on, and this is what we want to do. Right. It explains like, and, it's quite self-explanatory isn't it like, yeah and from then it kind of like wrong understood what we were trying to do so yeah. we then came up with a brand called industry right um and so we opened when fusion opened um it opened with a night called industry and we had uh, sunday central tour on right um and that that's how it that's how it all began um, Powerway through obviously they, they, they were looking for other DJs as well and that's when Pete Varty came into the mix as well just before Fusion opened Yeah. Um, so there was like me, Millsy, Pete Varty uh, Vinyl Man as everybody knows him mm. and we were the three residents and so basically we decided as a group that we would take it in turn somebody would play first early doors then warm up before the main act and then after the main act and we just rotated that round each week. Yeah. Um, but how we got to booking big name DJs or booking acts was even even funnier, because when I when we were doing the Ibiza Beach Ball and the forum stuff, I was I I rang a guy up in London, 
called Gary Dillon, who ran a record shop called Release the Groove. Right. Uh, Release the Groove Records. And while the whole fusion thing was getting built, we went down to see Gary in London at his record shop. Yeah. Um, And Gary helped us book the DJs. Uh, like from so his yeah, shop yeah, in London contacts, yeah, yeah, yeah because he was in London and pretty much every DJ was worth his salt lived in yeah, London right. and went into his shop now Gary um, was very influential in London with regards to DJs so he would basically book the DJs for us and then send them up on the train alright that's not, not bad is he so, so can you give me some each, of the names who, who, who came up via that route uh, well pretty much all the early DJs that came to Fusion so Mark Claude um, Sunny Central Tour all the DJs that came with that, um, Miss Tyson, um, Des Mitchell, the club, the Club of Vision tour. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever come across Club of Vision. Are you joking? Of course. So. <laughs> Everybody's uh, saying the Club of Vision. I got a lot of hate off that, you know. Uh, uh, you can go into that if you want. Uh, <laughs> I will. I will get to that. But like, he was just booking all the DJs for us. So we had yeah. DJs like from you know the gallery, you know, from every big club around the UK coming to play, and. The, the thing that got really interesting about Fusion was was how it grew. So it went from sort of like opening big yeah. to getting even bigger. Um, and you still didn't have social media and that all at this point. You know, none of this social well, media stuff was again, going on. So, you know, I, I remember being in Fusion and I've talked to guys from Birmingham, mm. talked to guys from over in the Northeast, mm. talked to guys from Scotland, and they, were, and they were all traveling to Fusion. You know, the car park was full of buses. Yeah. At the time as well, I just. I think a lot of people forget this, don't they? Like a lot of people, a lot of people uh, seem to think like for you, you you were saying just before you you and your mates got in the car, went down to Hacienda, went down to Cream. Yeah. People were travelling for the music, but people seem to forget around in Cumbria. People used to travel to Cumbria. Yeah. For the experience. Cumbria became a mecca of dance music. <laughs> I really. Crazy when you think about it, isn't it? I, I, it just it just blew my mind when we were talking to so many people that were from so many different areas. You know, yeah. you know, do not just of Cumbria, but outside of Cumbria as well. So, and when I did the Club Vision thing, um, I was asked to go and front it. Yeah. And, I, I, and you know, Mil, everybody else was asked, but I think. Ron was kind of like, you're going to do it, yeah. you know, because you've been here from the start. So I did the Club Vision thing and, you know, a few people sort of like thought, oh, what a nub it is and stuff like that. So people kind of have different not, opinions of me. you on the Club Vision. The, the stuff I've seen is basically it it was just snapshots of every every sort of angle of, of the clubs. And well, I did, I did a full interview on it. Oh, right. I've not so seen the, it. So there's actually an interview from that program that I'm actually in. Oh, so, right. So the interview, uh, Lisa Pinup. Right. And then he interviewed me, and that was fun part of the program, as well oh, as interviewing all of the the the, the guests. Yeah, and, well, know, I've seen it. All, yeah. the, uh, I've seen it where the, it made made Cumbrians look absolutely fucking mental. Like, <laughs> no, I think I think it, I think it endeared us to the rest of the UK because yeah. it just thought like they're having a great time. We're going to go and have a great time with them because exactly. they're, they're yeah, all yeah. sound as fuck. And Cumbrians are without doubt the best people to go out with yeah end of and scousers as well <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think this like and i've said it before on other podcasts like um i think that cumbrians are really under undervalued or underestimated oh massively how, how fucking good a night out can be with cumbrians in like because for, for us where where that's <laughs> segregated and separate from everyone else that when yeah. we get in a weird day and we go to liverpool or newcastle we fucking wreck this spot. Like, well, we do, ah, yeah. We, we, we go out to go out, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's always, it's always, when you hear stories, like, I, I don't know about, about you, but like, 
within within the bout scene, if I hear anything of any craziness going on, it's all like ninety percent of the time, the core of it's always started from Cumbrians. And it's oh yeah, just like yeah, it's massive. And a lot of, a lot of the promoters from outside of Cumbria love coming to Cumbria because they know they're gonna get a good positive response. Whereas yeah. they might go somewhere else and it'd be like, oh well, it was all right. But they know when they come up here. They're going to get a load of fucking lunatics. I think it's appreciated. That's because it's just appreciated because it doesn't happen that often. You yeah, know, when it, you know, week, you know, when Fusion opened in 99, it was week in, week out, week in, week out, guest DJs, guest yeah. DJs, guest DJs, me, Millsy uh, and Pete just smashing it every week. You know, to the point that we're, we're pulling up in our cars and people want to carry a record box in <laughs> to get into the club. <laughs> that's, that's where it got to it. Where, where, where like, you know, yeah. kids were like hanging around outside waiting for you to come in so they could carry a record box in. Um, I mean, that that that, that became like, such, you know, like you. <laughs> I, I know this this is a quite, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like a quite uncomfortable um, question to ask. But have you ever been asked for like a photo or like that? Like, like or, or pulled, pulled over to one side? And be like, are you so and so? And then like that, the know you from being a DJ sort of thing, right? And it used to happen a lot in, in the early days of Fusion. It happened all the time. All the time. Um, I mean, I I stayed at Fusion for a year and a bit, and then the 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 the, the business model changed for Fusion, and the direction changed, and Ron Adams left. Yeah. And I couldn't get to grips with what they were changing and all what they were, how they were unraveling everything that me, Millsy, and Pete had worked so hard for. Yeah. Um, Millsy decided to stay and stick it out and go with this more commercial music policy that they wanted to push but I was kind of so entrenched in where I was at and just believed right, so strongly yeah. with it that I said look moving the night to a Friday is the worst thing you can do because everybody that comes to these nights travels the buses yeah. on the car park tell me that uh, you know they're working in the hairdressers and the shops and Saturday jobs so five o'clock on a Friday. you know and then they're traveling in so yeah. I mean you know nine, nine times out of ten you know they're working on a Saturday finishing work and then because another got Sunday off we're going fusion yeah Whereas if you move this night to a Friday, you're just going to dilute what you've already got. Yeah. And that's what happened. Uh, but the reason they wanted to move it because they thought they got these consultants in, you know, um, who weren't Professionals. Worth, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't know the industry whatsoever. They just look at metrics and statistics. And yeah, they, they, just look at, they just look at bar sales and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the funniest things New Year's Eve I've ever seen. And um it was new year's eve it was like three o'clock in the morning and fusion had this like proper state-of-the-art till system where they could track sales and everything like yeah. that and uh, one of the owners was walking around doing a bit of glass collecting and i, I turned around and i was i turned around and looked and i was like oh, he's glass collecting all right he's uh he's collecting fulls not empties <laughs> to try and generate more sales i was like have they not made enough money tonight because he'd been yeah. rammed all night I know, yeah, I know it's a game plan. I've seen it in action before, definitely. Uh, and that was like, like my first one of my first eye openers in Clubland. You know, the ruthlessness of club owners and to make to keep the to keep the money churning through the tills. But you know, I kind of moved away at that point. I, you know, there was a lot of politics going on, and yeah. other DJs wanted to come into the club. I didn't identify with that, so it was. I just like right, it's time for me to go. And then through a very odd conversation I was having with a guy who used to come fusion all the time, he said, oh, "I've been talking to the owner of the park." says he wants to have a meeting with you so i went down to the park nightclub mm -hmm. and it's just kind of walking in 
And I, I, it was like a Friday night and I was walking in just to go for the meeting. There was like a big queue outside the park and people were like going, hey, that's, uh, that's Hey Kennedy, that's that's DJ from Fusion, what's he doing here? Mm. Is he playing here tonight or what? You know, oh, it's going to be really near. thing is, can be quite uncomforting, can't it? Like, uh, and it, and I, 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 always, I always thought that, was, I always got a bit awkward around that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Um, I, I don't get it on a, on a big scale, don't get me wrong, but but when when people know who you are and you don't know who they are, you don't know why they know you. And yeah. Because we're such a small, tight-knit community, because um, that's what we are, isn't it? Like, like West Cumbria, everyone seems to know each other. So if someone's going, their site, you don't know if he knows you from work or it's your fucking... <laughs> yeah. Or your, or your cousin's fucking brother, or your, cousin, your, your brother's friend, or do you know what I mean? Like, it could be anything. And then when they identify you as a DJ, it's like, oh, well, they don't actually know who I am. Then Yeah. Um, but for I, me, kind of like from that move, so I moved to the park, yeah. um, got them in to install a better sound system upstairs and started working upstairs with, with a couple of guys. Yeah. Um, and just that, that I was just rolling with that because this is where I first after, you, by the way. after the Club of Vision stuff, yeah. I started getting offers to go and play outside of Cumbria. Yeah. You know, so I was going down to Leeds, I was going to Manchester, um, I was going down to London, I played in a few clubs in Brixton in London. Yeah. So there was the Mass, um, which was a big church, and uh, the place called Dogstar in Brixton. Right. So I was I was starting to play more gigs outside of Cumbria then as well. And so I play in the park on a regular basis just to get some money coming in. Yeah, and just um, to keep your name local as well. And just to keep, so, just to keep yeah, myself yeah. relevant and local. And then just sort of like, that was kind of like, the next few years after that, it was just kind of run of the mill doing that stuff. Well, I, I heard of you in 2004. You were at the park then, weren't you? Yeah, I was at the park then, right. yeah. Oh, I can remember going into... Oh, what is the place called now? What was it? There was a record shop in Workington. Um, you used to sell, like, CD packs and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on uh, Murray Road, yeah. Right, yeah. so I, I used to go in there and get a CD pack all the time. And I got one that was from the park. Oh, the uh, guy who owned it was called Graham. He was an Everton fan. That's how I knew about him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I got a pack and it was... You were on, it was... Uh, just a recording from the park and I was like oh who's this guy do you know what I mean like starting to get to know local DJs yeah. and, and stuff like that and at this point I just you, you were just like uh, I can't remember if it was like Simon K or Simon Kennedy yeah I, I think Simon K something like that yeah, I just right. I never knew what to call myself but because yeah, yeah. my name's Simon Kennedy and that's it I was like <laughs> Do I just create an yeah. old complete pseudonym that nobody would even recognise? Or yeah. do you just? I've never kind of. I've always kind of got hung up about DJ names. I just felt <laughs> awkward about having something different than my name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard it, and I, I'd um, the on the CD pack that you were on this one in particular. Um, it, it, you were playing sort of like trans anthems and um, just scouse house stuff as well. So at that point, I was like, I didn't know it was... I, I, like, I was that a recording from the Maritime Festival? I don't think so, no. It was. It, it, I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast as well. It was um, Solid Beats. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, so basically, right, how that come about was... this is, And this is how it links to how I ended up at Digital in Newcastle. Right. So basically, the where argos is now there used to be like loads of little small startup shops in there and there was a guy in there who ran, ran a record shop a guy called ben yates who right. you might know as felix Leiter. right um and he was in a record shop in there called beats working right and then there was a guy opposite him called phil curtis who was running like a, an internet business you know like graphic design all that kind of stuff and then they they came out of there and moved into a shop on church street right um and ben moved to newcastle um, and he asked me, he says, oh, do you want to take over the record shop? 
Uh, and I said, yeah, but I can't, I can't commit to it fully. I said, but, you know, if Phil's willing to sort of help us out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So we, we, we took on Beats Working and we changed the name to Solid Beats. Right. And that's when I started buying in all the Scouse House and stuff like because everyone was into that, like, Scouse House, like, yeah. bouncing. Because yeah, that's, yeah. what, that's what's sold. So we're selling house and Scouse House and stuff like that. I had my decks and everything in there as well, with my speakers. All my record collection was in there as well. So well, is Felix from around here? Yeah, from Carlisle. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a car, lad. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, well, I, I became friends with Ben and he couldn't play in the park with us a few times. This was yeah. pre-Felix Lighter. And then um, I got married and he moved to Newcastle and we kind of sort of like drifted and then I got divorced and we become friends again. Right. Um, so at the time, uh, the park had closed um, and I'd moved up, I'd started DJing in Carlisle. Right. Um, so I then went to DJ at Terminal 1 right, in yeah, Carlisle because... Yeah, yeah, yeah it was through like a mutual connection um that uh dave coates who was working at fusion at the time who said oh can you come and do a gig for us in carlisle um yeah. i don't want to do it will you go and do it and then i got offered a residency at the ter terminal one right so dave got me uh, pretty much a big residency because terminal one was, it was a, yeah yeah very popular nightclub, it was yeah. A, yeah it was a commercial nightclub because it had a party room yeah. and it had a dance music room and then it had like a sports bar upstairs and yeah. then a burlesque bar, which eventually became the strip club. Yeah. And, and so I literally worked in Terminal 1 from the day it opened to the day it closed. Right. So that was like, at its peak, I was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. Just just being that gigging jock, just week in, week out, just playing just playing commercial dance, R&B, you know, working in the party room, sort of like getting used to playing different styles of music. Yeah. So it was like a massive learning curve for me because up until that point, all I'd done is play underground house trance you yeah, know like the you early see, scouse you're, stuff you're, you're more you're, you're the jock who's got to keep keep the crowd the, this is i know we're getting sort of into too intertwining into it or too in depth but when you become a, a club dj you're not just you're not there to keep them on the dance floor you've got to play records that'll maybe take them for a piss break or maybe take them take them to go to the bar to get a drink yeah you don't keep it on a high you've just got to just it's like a nice little wave thing a, a proper like club jock that's what you are yeah, like, that's uh, what it became but it was that it was the art form of learning to read a crowd and read a dance floor yeah. and knowing when to play the right tracks yeah. knowing how to move them bring them up bring them that's down I mean. yeah, yeah, move yeah. Them to the left move them to the right you know no, that's what it is though, it? like so you'll play you'll play a tune thinking right this is going to go off you'll have them loving it on the dance floor yeah where that's the, the memory that they'll hold forever and then and then you maybe wind it down a little bit so they know to go and buy more drink and then it's it's one of these subconscious things where you do it and you you know what you you you're keeping that crowd entertained it's you're like a big psychological exercise it's, it's not, <laughs> it is massive i'm yeah. getting quite deep into it but it's 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 a big it is it's it's a psychological game that you play and they don't know they're playing it no, no, they, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've just paid the money to come in and dance and yeah, have fun yeah. and pull and, you know, yeah. and, you know. In their head, meet, meet their future wife. For a fact, do you know what I mean? I mean that's, that's what it is. I, since, see, while I was at Terminal 1, I think I DJed about five weddings from people who met <laughs> when what? I was DJing. Right. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And I ended up DJing their weddings in Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of them are still together. Well, let me know. Um... <laughs> But then you know, that's where I learned the art of the five-hour, six-hour sets yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know, have, making sure you've got enough music to get you through the night and learn how to how to move crowds and understand yeah. that. And it was then, like, obviously, 
me and Ben sort of like got back in touch and then he was talking about what I was like, oh, what are you doing in Newcastle? He says, oh, I'm, you know, doing some bits of Revolution and all that kind of stuff, but I've got I've got a few gigs going at Digital on, on Newcastle. And then out of the blue, he rang me up. He's like, I was, I was just at home. And he was like, mate, where you at? I was like, I'm just at home. He's like, right, um, it's Monday night. Um, I'm stuck in an airport in Spain and I can't get back to Newcastle. Can you go and cover Digital for me? I was like, yeah, fine, no brother. So I jumped in the car, drove over to Newcastle, turned up at Digital, didn't know what the fuck was going on, walked, yeah. in, walked into the main room and did their student night on a Monday night. Mega clubber. Now, you imagine, right, Monday night in Whitehaven, dead. Oh, but student, <laughs> student nights are a whole different ball game. I was yeah. not prepared yeah. at all for what I was about to witness. Yeah. So I walked into Digital and I just started playing music like I was like I would have done at Terminal 1, you know, just so mixing this up was a bit. early doors, yeah. Early doors. Mm -hmm. And it just started filling up. Filling up, filling up, filling up, unbeknownst to me, because I'd gone in the back door. Yeah. Outside the front door, there was a queue right out the centre of life. Well, there you go, then, eh? Of 2,000 kids. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> United's the way forward, mate. I'm telling you. And it was that, that, it was from that night. I went in there, obviously, I did really well. And it, it kind of, from there, Ben basically turned to me and said, do you want to do more stuff over here? And I was yeah. like, yeah, cool. So he introduced me to a guy called Mike Hesketh. Right. Uh, now Mike is a huge promoter over in Newcastle. Like if it, if it was big, he had his name on it. Yeah. Um. There was the, him. There's him and the guy called uh, Brian Elgie and Ben Griffin run like uh, Loose Days and stuff like that. And they yeah. do all the major big events over there. You know, Loose Fest's coming up. They've done that. Um, but Mike used to. He was like, if, if it was a student night, it was his. Yeah. And it was full. So you know, that's when I started DJing in the O2 Academy, right. doing a night called Dirty Pop. I didn't, know, I didn't know you done that. So yeah, 2,000 students on a, on a Friday night in Newcastle in the O2 Academy with yeah. various sort of backup things going on. You know, the one night there was Fat Man Scoop there, you know yeah. what I mean? And stuff like that, you know. Quality. Well, I'm not Fat Man Scoop. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, he's done a few smaller clubs around around the Northwest and it, it's it's mental seeing this man who's Fat Man, like the, the man who is Fat Man Scoop. Yeah. And, he's and like, you do get starstruck. Like yeah. I'm just stood there going, "Wow!" Because no, he walks around with a presence. Then. Yeah, like, he has um, got a. He's a presence. I mean, he's a big guy, but he's got a presence, and he's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> but like, and, he, and, he's, and then that voice on the mic as well. Because all he's, yeah. he's like, he's an MC, isn't he? He's like, he's, he hosts the night, and he's yeah. he'll, he does the, the crowd chants back and forth. And yeah, he just like he that. just works a crowd. He just owns a crowd. Yeah, but it's the you know, it's like good stage presence. It's like it's no different to like the MCs in the bounce scene. You know, when they get in there. The, well, the crowd, well, the crowd. The MCs in the bounce. <laughs> well, yeah, the yeah. good MCs in the bounce. Yeah. When they get in there, mm. the crowd are hanging off every word they're saying. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't love or hate MCs. You know what I mean? I think they have a place in whatever genre of music they yeah, want to be yeah, in. Absolutely. You know, it's just like in. You know, I went to Warehouse Project to see um, to see David Guetta when David Guetta before he become mm. really really commercial. You know, and it was Warehouse Project. David Guetta and Chucky was on warm up, and Chucky had a hype guy. Yeah. But it, as I say, you know, it, so... it, it works, doesn't it? There's a few people you see now, like, as you say, like, it, it, like Fatman Scoops is, is a very niche thing because he's, 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 he's one genre on his own, really. Oh, he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you, you get the likes um, of, I don't know if you follow the club, the club heads, they, they, they take an MC to wherever they go. Yeah. Um, the, the MCs, are not, there's no such thing as that in, like, European, like, dance music. There's no, like... What a bounce MCs, anyways. No, and it's definitely just the hype not. Man who'll, yeah, who'll you just get hype men all over the place, yeah, you know. And, and then there's, I've seen a few people who's doing it now, even though. Well, I suppose, like, like when you think about Dimitri Vegas and like Mike. Yeah. You know, DJ with a hype man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's happening on such a big scale because even in festivals and that now, I've seen, I'm sure I've seen, was it Ben Nicky? 
Ben Nicky did a thing and he, had, he got like um, yeah. stomping on him and like it was a very famous North Oh, Topping, Topping did that, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Topping, uh, it was what? Topping did it at some gig he did in uh, Newcastle in yeah. lockdown, wasn't it? When everybody was in pens. Yeah, oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. Topping, not Ben Nicky then, yeah. sorry. Um, but, um, and he's playing his stuff and he and he didn't get him to come on and do his, his, his crazy MC and stuff. He just came on and just hosted <laughs> it. But like, it's... In the right environment, it can work so well. Oh yeah, it can yeah. it can transform a room mm. from just being sort of really good to like electric, yeah. like pure electric. You can just see the hairs on people's arms <laughs> just standing <laughs> on end funny. when when they cut in, and when they cut in at the right moment, you, you yeah. can't you can't beat it. You literally can't beat it. The, the, the ones who know how to do it and let the music breathe because they can build you right up on a build up, and they can they can they can really hype and get the crowd up, and then sometimes just stop and when the beat kicks in yeah that's when people's in euphoria do you know what i mean um, i think sometimes as well mcs can help bring new tracks in as well so you know if there's tracks that nobody's heard but they know it and they know yeah. that you know they know the dj and they know the track you know they can really bring introduce new music to people as well oh, absolutely absolutely um so we're going to move on to the sort of the late 2000s now so so I've, what point did the, the park show like so the park closed in 2005, I then moved on to Terminal 1, and yeah. Terminal 1 was like 2005 to 2010, yeah. and then sort of like towards the end of that, obviously, yeah, Terminal 1 started to close down and wanted to become this big thing called Las Vegas Strip, which was an absolute shambles. Yeah. Um, I was pleased I was not, I was asked not to be involved bad idea, with that. Bad, bad creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, it was over-ambitious and under-delivered. Under Oh yeah, um, well, Las Vegas Strip in Carlisle. It says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. So I I then went to work at, at Unit in Carlisle, which then became Havana. Right. Um, so that was like sort of like early two thousand and ten, but it was only on Fridays. But I was still doing, and that's when I got invited back to Fusion. Right. So that was when. So I I opened Fusion and subsequently closed it. Right. <laughs> um. So then I went back to play at Fusion with Andy Kelly. Yeah. Um, but I was still, I was playing at digital once a month now. So I was doing the main room at digital on a Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, like EDM was the big sort of music choice. But, through, yeah. So I was playing like house music, EDM, and it just yeah. the bigger, how big that went. So, you know, <clears throat> the memories I have in digital are very vivid because of the, the way the Geordies go. Right. So I just remember I was playing, I was playing, Ben, ben was, uh, Felix was doing like a gig somewhere where and I was going in digital cover and he openly told me that the reason he got me to do his gigs because he was the only guy I could trust that wouldn't try and nick the gig from him yeah, and try and undercut him or anything like that. He would just do his thing and then I would go and do my thing. Yeah. So it became like a, a regular thing. Yeah. You know, so he helped me out quite a lot because that like got me some quite, obviously that started getting me noticed once again. So it was like that real peak with Fusion and then a bit of a low ebb to the, where like the park and then obviously and I vanished up to Carlisle so nobody out West Company really knew who I was yeah. for a while but until they started coming through to Carlisle and seeing, seeing what I was doing in Carlisle so going to Newcastle and playing digital opened me up to an even bigger crowd of people yeah um at this point I still haven't actually made a track right <laughs> because I just didn't have the time between DJ between day, between yeah. DJing and working and family life yeah. I just didn't have the time to spend hours in a studio to make a track yeah um and so playing a main room at Digital on a Saturday night, for me, was massive. You know, you imagine you're in one of the biggest clubs in the UK. It's full. And literally every track you play, they are hanging off the end of. And That's the true. atmosphere in there was ridiculous. Excellent. I could play anything, yeah. anything at all, and they would go for it. 
excellent. That's fucking. It's a, big vi- achie- it's a big achievement, really, isn't it? Like, did you, it's probably in the. It's the biggest in the northeast by far. But yeah. It, even like the, the average, your average Joe in Cumbria probably knows what digital is. Like, yeah. It's, it's a big. It's a big. It's a big thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the thing was, I was turning up there on a Saturday night, and I was playing for five hours. You know, yeah. so I got to orchestrate the whole night. Yeah. So taking it from sort of like one one eighteen BPM to like one thirty six BPM when you're really getting into the really good EDM stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, and and seeing that you know getting to four o'clock in the morning and the lights coming up and that dance floor's full and yeah. they ain't leaving. Yeah, that's a good feeling. <laughs> uh, that is a good feeling. And I, I remember I was playing with a guy from uh, Bournemouth, a guy called James Herx. Who'd come up one night? Who you know he'd done a radio show in in Bournemouth, and so he'd he'd been in touch with with Ben, and so he like he said, oh well, why don't you come up and play with Cyber Night? I'm away, you know, you and him, yeah. he you know come and stay at my flat. So we, Ben gave his keys to his flat, and we all stayed in his flat. Um, and then we went to play digital, and then I dropped uh, Sweet Disposition, right? Um, at around three o'clock in the morning, and the night had been bubbling nicely all night, but I dropped this at three o'clock in the morning and the lighting jock in digital a guy a guy called uh andy canan right, did he know what was coming he he was brilliant yeah you know i remember when i first met him i walked in he was like look mate don't be a dick on the mixer and i'll make you sound amazing and i'll make you look amazing with the lighting he says yeah. if you're gonna be be a cunt and i'll fuck your life <laughs> up <laughs> I was like, like, yeah i like people like that straightforward, isn't it? straightforward. Uh, and i got i got on with him really well I'll still talk to him now mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so it was like three o'clock in the morning. The drop came in from Sweet Disposition. The whole room just lit up. And I just, I was smashed. And I just stood on top of the DJ box. Like that. And Class. then the crowd just begged me to jump into them. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, yeah, jump in, jump in. You go. So you jumped in, yeah? Yeah. Oh, class. Class. That was my one and only crowd surf moment. <laughs> um, oh, God. Class. But honestly, you know, the, the nights I played in digital were, were always memorable, you know, no matter what, you know, there'll always be some of the best nights I've ever had DJing Absolutely. just because yeah. it was a function, you know, playing on a function one sound system in a DJ box the size of your house. Yeah. Was that, <laughs> you was, was that you, you peaking there? Is that, you yeah, that, I think that's like, that's peaking. Like, you know, you know you're peaking when you're playing in one of the biggest clubs in the country, yeah. you know. The sounds, you know, when the, when the PA system in the DJ booth is like most bars in Whitehaven, you know you're doing well. Yeah. You know, when you've got four CDJs in front of you with a top of the range Class. mixer. Class. That's what all super clubs were like, though. Yeah, they were. You know, standard at that point. Yeah, they're all well kitted out. <laughs> you know, and you know, being involved in nights like Electrica and playing at the Auto Academy, you yeah. know, and, and, and you know, you know, saying like Calvin Harris, Lesso, you know. Yeah. Blaster Jacks, you know, Nervo. Yeah, class. All, all, all those things. Big, just They're big EDM artists. Yeah, like all those now, massive yeah. EDM artists, you know, you just being just being in the mix with all that and, you know, working with guys like Mike who who was just it was just it was so good at what he did. You know, one of the best promoters I've ever came across. So moving forward then from there, what what was next for you? Um so we're sort of getting 2000, so 2015-ish. So mid-2015, you know, my life's changing a lot. You know, I've got a new wife, you know, life's changing, work, mm. older. Um, yeah. And I'm settling into into unit and, you know, carving my way in unit, which then became a vanner. Yeah. And it was kind of at that point, I'm like, I started thinking about like, I, I've, I've been really lucky where I've been given opportunities 
by a lot of good people, you yeah. know, like Ron Adams, you know, Ben, Mike, you know, just worked guys at Fusion, well, yeah. you know, and it's like, I need to start, I, I want to try and give it back. How do I give it back? Yeah. So, you know, back, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point now, you know, I'm, it's like 2016, 2017, you know, club, well, rock bar's taken off, so I'm doing bits in the rock bar. I've been back at Fusion, Fusion's gone, mm. you know, so there's not really a lot going in work. And Whitehaven's kind of bubbling when, you know, rock bar became Club 135, and I, I was obviously, I got yeah. asked to go and be a resident at Club 135. Yeah. Um, and so things are just starting to change and things are evolving, you know, Johnny Donuts coming through. Um, soup, yeah. with the electric soup um all you guys are coming up as well you know mm -hmm. Percy and all them are all you know the bouncing starting to gather more momentum yeah, you know i used i used to do these random nights at uh, padua was called hashtag sesh right. <laughs> which were just insane like, one night we did we did like a sort of like um an l row sort of takeoff where we just got loads of inflatables right and uh yeah yeah we, we used to do nights in there but it's like I'm, and like i've got a different group of friends because they're like you know, all my mate, like all my friends, like my age, yeah. you know, married kids, you know, like walking, I found that as well, yeah. like walking up hills and you know doing sort of more sedate life, and I'm like, yeah, come on, where's the party? Let's keep going. I find that. <laughs> um, it's like you were saying before, you know, when you were saying before, and you could say you you put an event on and you'd have twenty minutes follow you to wherever you're playing, like yeah, rugby lads and that. It's like now with me, I've I've said this before, I can't I can't fill a car because my mates are settled down with kids or. Yeah, the, the, oh, they're just the past the days of going out every weekend. Yeah, the demographics changed, so yeah. I, I kind of started working with a lot of young younger guys. You know, like you know, some like Drew Field, Dave yeah. Tunstall, uh, Rory Wood. Yeah. Um, and then started, you know, Johnny's doing his bits with Electric Soup. You know, and I, I've never played any gigs at Electric Soup, but I've never pestered Johnny to ask for gigs at Electric Soup because it's their thing, it's their scene, they've created it. Mm. But they don't need me. I don't bring a crowd. You know, I bring the music and I can keep a crowd and I can give them a good time. But, yeah. you know, other than that, you know, all my mates are like, you know, yeah. mountain biking. Yeah, <laughs> Spell walking, stuff like yeah. that. You know, going out for nice lunches and all that kind of stuff. You know, they all think I'm mental, you know. And, you know, some of my I mates, they, 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 they gave me the nickname Cyborg because you can't be human because you shouldn't be doing the things you're doing at your age. And I thought, well, that's just a very ageist thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and then I start, and then one night I was working in Havana and then a young lad called Cam Smith come up to me, you know, uh, and got me name wrong and then insisted my name was Stephen. Um, and, uh, and I said, tell you what, go, go away for a bit because he wanted to get on the decks at Havana. Yeah. And I said, look, go and have a think about what you've just said. He says, come back when you can say my real name and then we'll have a proper chat. <laughs> so he come back later and he was like, I sorry, Simon. <laughs> so, yeah. was like, so then I started talking with Cam. Cam Smith, uh, and you'll know them because of uh, if you've heard of CBK. The the lads are they the lads who've done the uh, unit rave. Aye, yeah, right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's to, Cam uh, Smith, uh, yeah. Kai Gillespie, and Billy Hunter. Right. And so we were just having a bit of a chat, and Cam played a few tunes, and I mean, so I, and I was like, thinking, I need to start helping more people getting in, get into the industry, to, yeah. you know, because I had opportunities, and the opportunities now aren't as big or aren't as plentiful. Yeah. So I turned out to come. I was like, well, do you fancy doing something? Like, you know, maybe on like on a Saturday afternoon. And he was like, what do you mean? He says, well, why don't you and some of the other lads, like like Billy or anybody, and why don't you come up and do it? So Cam went off and like asked everybody if he wanted to get involved and do this daytime gig in Carlisle. And some of them weren't really that bothered. But so like Billy, Billy Hunter signed up for it, Matt Reed, uh, Lewis Wood, a mm -hmm. uh, guy called Jake Smy right. uh, came up and they all came up and we, we created this brand called Social. Right. 
and we just started throwing these daytime parties on a Saturday once a month in Carlisle. So they ring a bell, like, are they young lads? Yeah, they are, very, they are very young lads. And I was like, look, I'll, I'll just set it up for you. You just crack on. Right, okay. And so they turned up and all their mates turned up and honestly, you couldn't move. We created this movement of daytime parties in Carlisle yeah. that was unsurpassed. Don't get me wrong, right, as a, <laughs> as a, as a maturing adult now... <laughs> yeah, daytime drinking is the war. Yeah, daytime like, drinking has taken off. So I, I kind of caught on to it quite early because I've seen like loads and loads of people start getting on the train, going to Carlisle for cocktails and all that kind of yeah, daytime exactly. drinking. It's a way forward. And I, I, I just turn around to the owner and I says, "Look, let's let's try and do something daytime. Let's see where it goes." And honestly, it just took right off. Plus. And ever since then, like the the daytime DJing thing in Havana is it's just mint. It's like you know. It's like it, it's it's some it feels a little bit naughty because it's still broad daylight outside. Yeah. You know, and you know most people are thinking like I can come in here, I can get smashed, I can have a rave, <laughs> and I can get home in time to, oh, to catch time, yeah. to catch the weather, uh, match of the day, <laughs> of the day <laughs> on the yeah. last train home, and wake up the following day with not as bad a hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know, and it's been fantastic, and they've gone on and done bigger things. You know, like the stuff they've done in Electric Soup, you know, and all that kind of thing. You know, Johnny with his festivals. You know, there's a lot of good stuff coming up now. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of talent. There's, out, there's a lot of young talent out there, but it's just the 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 outlets just aren't there as much. You know, I mean, I was a club one three five for ages, and you know, invariably they have they very rarely brought guests in stuff yeah. like that, but. Since I since I no longer work there anymore, they've started to to spread that out, and they, you know they're bringing in kids like Morgan Cassiera, and you know they've got Felix there once a month, and they've yeah. got you know they're, they're starting to give other 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 youngers opportunities, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know because that's you know the scene will only grow if more people more get into people, it. Yeah, I I know this sounds daft and maybe maybe a bit fucking. I don't I don't know what the word would be, but like I found my sort of age and my generation. Like, there didn't seem to be much come after me, like, with DJM-wise. Yeah, there seems to have been a bit of a gap. Yeah, and, <laughs> and no, but it's only in the last, I don't know, maybe, what, three years, four years, where these de- there's these young lads who's come through, it was 18, 19, but the, from, 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 there's just, yeah, there's just that gap of people where there was, like, no one, like, I'm, I'm talking Cumbria, by the way. I don't know about outside of Cumbria, but in Cumbria, there was just no DJs coming through. Yeah, no, there wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't because I was struggling. I was struggling. I think I'd love to like help people out and get them yeah. involved in gigs and stuff like that. But some of them were just either too arrogant that I could I, I could give them a time of day. Yeah, because obviously they, they were they they got their heads in the wrong part of the game. As yeah. in, like they, chip they, on the shoulder. I wouldn't say it was a chip on the shoulder. It was just that thing that they, they, they had this ideology of how they should be as a DJ, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. not. You know, and start, if you can't feed into that, then you're not you're not you're not part of the you game. Know, sort of thing, you know, know, start you know, be humble, be respectful, and people will help you. I don't know whether you've noticed this or not with me. Like we've talked off pod, and I don't mind talking about it on here. Um, a lot of people seem to think that I, I'm the the guy is ignorant him or, or arrogant. I'll probably I'll probably say it's pre- there's probably a lot of people say that about me. Yeah. But they just never take the time to get to know me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, like, I don't know if you noticed this though. When I when I played with you last time, when was the last time I played? Was it Fusion Reunion? Fusion Reunion Club right. One Three Five. So you One Three Five. I walk in. I go in, and I'll sh- everyone who's there, I'll shake their hand, and all right. And yeah. I did, I did that to everyone. I I purposely try and give off a positive vibe and welcoming vibe because yeah. I remember coming through, and um, when I was coming up, there was there was people there who, when they seen a young lad coming through, they thought. He's, he's nicking my spot. 
he's taking my spot off the off the <laughs> venue. Oh no, no, but th- there is a, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like that in every sort of walk of life. If you're a fucking, I don't know, a bin man, right? And there's a young whippersnapper who comes who, who collects bins faster. Well, yeah, than it you. doesn't matter what you do. It's yeah. it's in every walk of it's life, every, like every of kind life. of work you do. There's always someone chomping at your heels, trying to get do better and things like yeah. that. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that because I, you know. Like I say, it, it wasn't until lockdown came that I actually sat down and made tr- started making tracks. Yeah. And I started collabing with a guy called Adrian Taylor. See, because, I'd, I'd, you know, sort of like mid-2015s, I did something called House Night with Jack Murray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, House Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, I, I, was, I worked on, you know, Jack was one of the first people I met that, that I decided to help was because he came down, he sat and he talked to me and he was he was just cool about it, you know, he was dead respectful, you know, and he appreciated my, my advice and stuff yeah. like that and I helped him and we took house night from, you know, one night in Joe Bananas, you know, with a few of his mates to like big events, you know, and yeah. big, you know, big capacity events, you know, we did Northbound Festival, yeah. we had our own arena at Northbound Festival, yeah. you know, and that's how far I took his brand, you know, and I used all my connections throughout the industry to, so like, to, yeah, to bring it, that in, yeah. you know. You know, you know, we did the first one at um, Elliot's in Workington, you know, next to where Fusion used yeah. to be. Um, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I rang Ben up and I was like, do you want to come over? Felix Lighter, you know, we'll do it. You know, and I, just to get a name on the, on the list, like it, we're putting a big event on and then build it up from there. You know, there was Jack and Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, there was Corey James and a few others that he brought over, Murphy Brothers and stuff like that. But it was kind of like, I, it was me helping him and like getting a group of other lads together who were keen DJs, you know, like... Yeah. You know, like, you know, because at the time there was like Phil Bridges, you know, Lockie was doing his thing with uh, Grew and Groove yeah. before it became four player. Yeah. And so there was loads of stuff going on. It was nice. And it was just like, just bubbles away. In the just bubbles away. And that's when I met Rory. And that's when I ended up doing the metaverse. Wow. Well, <laughs> Another story. <clears throat> so most recently, I did a gig in the metaverse. Explain, you've, you've lost me. Eh? So the metaverse is an online world where you can go and be anything you want to be. Oh, and you can basically create an avatar and you go into this world, this online world. Right. Um, where is this located? There's loads of different metaverses. Right, okay. There's, you, you know, type in metaverse in Google and there's like a big list of them come up. So there's loads of like different worlds, like these so online so worlds. So DJ Simon Kennedy in this metaverse? Yeah, so okay. Rory, he runs a company called Bitwax. Right which is a crypto, or sorry, it's a blockchain crypto record label. Right. Um, it was a record shop as well. So you could go online, buy records off them and pay for it with cryptocurrency. So like Ethereum or, you know, whatever. Right, okay. Um, and so it's kind of, is massively insane because Rory's doing a lot of work and I'm not going to, I can't really talk about that much because he's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And, I would rather he come on in here and talked about it. Yeah. Um, I've never uh, met him, by the way, honestly. Uh, honestly, DJ, yeah, he's a local DJ. He's an absolutely stand-up guy, and his head's just full of amazing things. Mm. Like, honestly, he's... So he's go on, then. tell us about this metaverse. So he's been working with the uh, these these these, on, these metaverses and this one called Boonkbots. And yeah. so they're basically going around the different metaverses, putting events on in nightclubs in metaverses. So a metaverse is like... Imagine Cumbria in a computer game. Uh, am I picturing this wrong? But is it The Sims? Yeah, it's a bit like oh, The Sims. Right, uh, okay. Essentially, it's it's Sims on steroids. Right, okay, go on. And how many people are going to these events in the metaverse? Um, it varies, uh, depending on what time they, they brought. So, so I played for the first time in a nightclub in the metaverse. Right. 
and all these people it's turned up crazy, to watch me DJ in the metaverse. All right. So it was a video of me DJing in a nightclub. So with decks in front of us and stuff like that. Yeah. In this metaverse nightclub. Surreal as fuck. <laughs> so where are you actually at? I'm at home. Right, you've got the decks in front of you. And... No, it was a pre-recorded one, this one, but there's way, different ways you can do it. You can have your decks set up with a green screen and all that kind of stuff. Right, so okay. it, it comes from the days of lockdown where streaming, yeah. everybody started streaming in lockdown, didn't they? Except now you're all together in this. And now we're all together in this metaverse, <laughs> online community. Twisted. <laughs> <laughs> and interesting. It's massive. Because yeah. if you think about a demographic of people that wouldn't necessarily go to nightclubs, but wouldn't necessarily yeah. go out or can't go out for one disability or another. Yeah. That's their access to to that kind of world they, where they can be whatever they want to be. Right. You know, there was guys in there with like angel wings and Mohicans and all sorts of stuff. It was like, right. you know, right. create your avatar, get in there and have some fun. All right. So, so what's the attendance like roughly? Like, what's the minimum you're getting? So, mm. I can't remember how many was in that one. I think there was maybe a couple hundred in that one because it's such a new thing. Yeah. It's such a new thing. It, 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 but it's still a couple of hundred crazy avatars is quite insane <laughs> it wasn't it was an interesting thing but obviously at the, during lockdown i made a few tracks um with a guy called adrian taylor mm. just bat batting ideas backwards and forwards to each other because we could do it all online and send mm. files backwards and forwards because yeah. we were both working in logic um didn't think it would come to anything but made three tracks yeah one got signed to vamos right the other one got signed to whorehouse right and the third one got signed to simmer black Right. Which was Low Steppers label. Not bad, is it? It's not bad. <laughs> so, for, yeah, yeah. in the space of, in the space of like two years of sitting down and working with someone who was interested in the similar style to what I wanted to produce. Yeah, with, some good releases on that whole house. I like that, yeah. that, that label. So we've got a whole house, and Simmer Black was kind of like that was that was probably the biggest of the releases because yeah. it got onto Simmer Black through through Reza, who we sent the track down to Reza to get it engineered. Yeah. Just to do all the mastering on it, and Low Stepper just happened to be in the studio at the time with him, and he said, "I want that." Right, from, from a Simmer Black album. Yeah. So it went out on a Simmer Black release and then they put it out as a single track as well. Not bad. It's not bad at all, is it? Yeah, but it, what, what else it also taught me, because obviously Felix has been doing tracks for years and years and years. He's had so many releases, you know, he's had loads and loads. But it kind of thought of up my eyes into the world of music and production and how the, the, the even, even with the success I've had as a DJ, to get to that next level where yeah. you're like, a Sam Divine, yeah, you know, um, a Cal Cox. You, you level up, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big step in it. To get to get from there to there is a big involved is well. a big step, and there's a massive amount of production, social media. I mean, Fisher's a prime example. Yeah, right. His social media is bigger than him. His social media is bigger than him. He already had a big social media because he was a DJ on the surf too, wasn't he, mm. Fisher? And Chris Lake makes all his tracks. Yeah. yeah. And he op he's open about that, you know. He yeah. knows, you know, Lakey makes all his tracks, yeah. or makes quite a lot of his tracks. I don't know if that's common knowledge in that. Sound as well. And pioneered his sound, but look, Chris Lake was like, you know, he's got a way bigger social following than me. Mm. You know, I'll make the tracks. Yeah. You're going to the world. He's getting my my productions heard, and, yeah. I, and I'll count the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Lakey turns up and plays a gig Z once, and Fisher just two as well, just yeah. basically having the best time of his life. Yeah, and so there's there's you know social media has kind of changed the landscape of DJing massively. Yeah. So, you know, these days... I find that Fisher doesn't put anything up that's DJ-related, really. He just... No, it's just him partying. Yeah. All of Fisher's videos that he puts on Instagram are him yeah. DJing and having a good time. Yeah. 
And I think that's brilliant because he's kind of sort of like throwing two fingers to the industry saying, so yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm a good DJ. Yeah. I've got help making my productions, His but you show me, you show me, you show me a DJ now that's in that bracket of those top, top 100 DJs even. So, you know, DJ Mag top 100. You tell me if any of them aren't here getting engineers tracks and help in studios, they're Absolutely all yeah. getting that because when you're at that level to be able to mix gigging yeah. and production maintaining, yeah, and maintaining yeah. your presence, you've got to have a team of people behind you. Yep. you know totally and all the big labels and, he, and, and it's once you get signed to those big labels like defected or you know th those kind of labels mm. you know like tour room and stuff like that you know there, there's a team of people beneath you yeah taking care you of get, all the stuff guided as uh, the do's and don'ts and everything stuff like that yeah yeah and you get you're being managed properly you know and yeah. all that kind of stuff and you might uh, it can take two or three tracks to get to that point, but you've you've got to be just. It's sometimes it's just look at the draw. Yeah, because I see so much good music, but, but yeah, it's not reaching its the height that, of that, what you'd expect. That never reaches its potential. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Bob Sinclair put tracks out that never go anywhere, but yeah. the, some of the best tracks that are out there, you know, I've seen. You know, and and it's how like crowds ebb and flow between certain types of DJs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Probably the one of the most. Probably the, one of the most consistent DJs, producers out there is Calvin Harris. Yeah. But he's con continuously evolving his style as well. But he continuously evolves his style. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I've managed to do over the years is... Move with the times. Move with the times. I haven't kind of stuck in one genre. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. That can be whatever you want, you know. Mm. It's, it's up to you. It's up to you as a DJ and artist how you want to move. I've always kind of wanted to evolve, wanted to change, wanted to try different music and yeah. sample different music i don't dislike or hate or i love everything mate. you know everything, I, I enjoy all, all kinds everything. of music everything that makes logical sense in my head i like yeah it took me a while to understand drum and bass because i i was well you, yourself like we got we got brought up on on in this area like four to the floor music really yeah. like in dance music and then I didn't discover drum and bass till later, and then it took me a while to understand it. And now I understand it. I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that with everything. I don't. What I don't like, I don't like. Because um, I, I listen to everything. I like. I like classical music. I like. I like heavy metal. I like. I like everything. But I just. This. I. I don't understand jazz music. Maybe one day I will. But jazz. Have you ever to listened me, to Miles Davis? No. Check Miles Davis out, then you'll, under that? you'll understand jazz. Right. Because <laughs> when I listen to jazz, it doesn't work, it doesn't click in my head. It's kind of all over the place, but Miles Davis, he plays like a clarinet. Right. It's just, it, there's no good. logic to it though. Like, like I've heard something and you hear, you can hear the, like the, the bass line in, in, under, sitting underneath it. Right. And then there might be like, say like, I don't know, a saxophone or sitting but they're in they're playing two different keys and it's just uh, yeah it is kind of all over the place but i think it's just kind of jazz music comes like because it's just kind of like a jamming session isn't it and they're yeah. just kind of just making it up as a go along in yeah. some ways so that's that's the only type of music i don't understand i'll, I'll give everything a go but what if my head can't comprehend it then it's out the window like as i said it took me a while with drum and bass but once I understood how it worked and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. you know what I mean? It, Maybe one day that'll click for jazz and it'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, right now what's going on. Um, I think we'll just tie up this section, mate, because I need a pee. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're back in two minutes. Uh, back for section two. Um, 
So this is the question section. So if you want, uh, you want to write in any questions to the podcast, uh, it's at it's time to refresh on Instagram, Facebook, you know the usuals, um, and we get new questions for every week. Some of them are to do with music, some of them are to do with life, some of them are to do with just completely obscure shit. But we love it. It's open to any questions at all. Ask us anything. It's about get, it's about to get real, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, if the first hour I wasn't putting them to sleep, mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was interesting, mate. Um, so we'll kick things off with this one. Um, I know that you're a conspiracy theory man. So what what's one conspiracy theory you wholeheartedly believe? And that's from Dan. Um, right, this this could open up a can of worms. But like, I don't know about you, but I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist nut. I'm not like, oh, fucking, I don't know, like, Joe Biden's a lizard or something like that. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I, I believe, my, what I wholeheartedly believe, and we'll keep it short and sweet because we can go down a massive rabbit hole of this, is is um, the monarchy. Um, I think all that is just an absolute scam, and I think that they're just living freely for no reason, and... That quite possibly might be lizards. <laughs> no, I'm joking. About that, but yeah, um, yeah. I just I, I don't believe in the monarchy and and how people say oh it's great for the country and it and it brings more revenue in. I I don't care. I don't care for them. And that, there's a hundred conspiracy theories out there about it. Whether you want to talk about Diana or something like that. Don't want to get into it too much because legally I don't know what you can say on a, on a podcast. No, no. Last last thing you want is a solicitor's letter in this one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> The fucking kill Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. Um, is any conspiracy theories you believe in? I've heard, there's so many musical ones out there as well. Like, I had I had one that was fucking um, Paul McCartney. Ain't Paul McCartney. Apparently he died in a car crash in the 60s. All right. Here's one for you. Go on. Elvis isn't dead. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> did he die? Did he not? I don't know. Uh, he's on do, an do, island. Do he's, he's on an island in the Bermuda Triangle. Right, okay. Well, I see, you, see, you see all sorts of mad stuff. You, they say, like, Tupac didn't die or Michael Jackson didn't die. Like, there's actual videos of after Michael Jackson died, there's a video of him going into a van and disappearing. Yeah. And I don't know what to believe. But, I try not to get caught up in conspiracy theories yeah. because I'd spend half my life online researching shit that yeah. didn't mean anything. It doesn't, it's, it's absolutely meaningless. It doesn't yeah. make any difference to our life. But one thing that I must say is, like, I do I think wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised about the the you were saying about Elvis and Michael Jackson stuff like that. Yeah. If they if they just wanted to be out of the spotlight and just live a quiet life, fake your own death. Yeah, exactly. I can yeah. believe it. But yeah, go on. I do. I do think the Illuminati is a thing. Don't get me started. Yeah. Possibly, <laughs> I possibly think the it's Illuminati not, is a thing. Possibly, it's it's factual. Isn't yeah, it? I I, I do think I honestly genuinely believe there's actually a group of people out there that are controlling. A yeah. lot of stuff. I, I was, I was Who they are, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. But if you want to hit me up, I'll come work for you, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> just know, they're on good paycheck, yeah, they're on good, they're on good coin. Um, like you know, yeah. you want to be part of that, don't you? <laughs> Touching on all the conspiracy theories, theories and stuff like that. Um, another one would be that fucking Epstein's Island. That that is it, Ghislaine Maxwell. She she um she's the only person in history to go down as um a sex trafficker. A sex trafficker, yeah, yeah. but didn't have any clients to sex traffic to apparently so there's one another one but as i say like this whole illuminati thing and that i strongly strongly believe that there is somebody there just 
pulling the strings. There is someone. Yeah, there's a group. There's a group of people who knows everything before everyone else. As yeah, well. there, you, there you go. I reckon. So let's answer to your question. Controlling Dan. the world's finances, yeah. but thankfully they can't control our minds <laughs> yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other fucking thing. <laughs> I'll move on before we get too thinged into it. Um, hi, Brad. Would you ever consider doing a weekly residency? And if so, what would you play? And that's from Chris. Um, Do you want one at Havana? No. <laughs> um, I say no. It's, it, for me, I can't do weekly one because it, it, it's it, it's for me. I like to be excited. And if I was, if, I, if it became a, a job, I I don't know if I, I've, I've, talk, I've talked or not about this, but for me, um, I don't mind saying this on the podcast as well. For me, I, I work two weekends a month DJing. And that, that's me. I'm happy because at the end of the day, I like I like spend time with family, and I like I like going away, seeing friends and stuff like that. So DJing means a lot to me. And when you do a gig, you're not just dedicating that that couple of hours you're playing on a Saturday night. You've got pepper music, driving to wherever you you're playing. And for me, if I was playing six hours on a Saturday night, you've ripped my Sunday off completely. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I look back on that and I was like, I mean I've DJed probably every Saturday from 1998 till last weekend. Well, you were, uh, yeah, as you said. Uh, like, I said absolutely. to you earlier. And um, it, it, it's that whole thing of, I don't, people say to me, oh, you must practice all the time. You must do this. Like, I don't practice at all. You don't need to because you, I don't you need to because, six hours on a Saturday, <laughs> don't you? you know, I'm, I'm exactly. past practicing, you know, I know how to mix in key. I know my tracks. In, it's like and, you know, the bike, isn't it? And the technology now is so good because yeah. it tells me what came in. You know, the latest CDJ 3000s will tell you, will highlight the next track in green that's in the right key so you can play it. Yeah, it's like a... DJing has become a lot easier. <laughs> a lot easier. But as I say, it's like riding a biker. Like, yeah. Like, it's one of them things. If I stop now, I come back in five years, give it, give me the two or three mixes into a set and I'll be like like I never stopped yeah and I think that's the same for any DJ as well out there like I think oh definitely people say yeah. to me oh, oh you know you probably can't play vinyl anymore well, yeah I could mm. no problem at all I can sit me in front of the set say, two tables. or three mixes and you're into it and then yeah. there you go you're away again um, what style of music would I play right here's the thing I I know you were saying that you have to become this this sort of um DJ who can play commercially and do you know, like when you say play time or one. If I was to do, yeah, because like when you think of someone like Pete Tong, yeah, like if you think if you were to listen to one of Pete Tong's earliest Radio One shows and then listen to one of his latest Radio One shows, the musical differences would be massive. Oh, massive! And, and Pete massive. Tong is one of those DJs I I kind of aspire to be because yeah. he can cross, cross genres. That, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I get that. Um, but for me personally, I would I would never take up. Um, a digital as good as it would be I'd love to play there but I wouldn't I wouldn't do it just um, because you're guided in what you should be playing I like what I like and I want I want to like <laughs> see if you came to my house and I was hosting a party and I was DJing I want to show you music you didn't know you liked yeah 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 I'm that type of DJ like I, I like you can everyone can anthem bash and like I, I get onto people about it all the time. Like good example is uh is Todd and and I'll name drop him here. I'll even tag him in this video that I'm gonna cut out. Right. He he he's a he's a good tune so he can pick a good tune selection because he because he plays all the big anthems and he can keep him on dance floor. Um and I appreciate that for what it is. There's a lot of DJs out there that do that. But I like going that one step far, further and doing I I wanna play tracks you didn't know you wanna hear. That for me that that 
that's a more satisfying yeah, breaking, breaking tracks. I mean, I, yeah. I, that, my sets used to always consist of that, though. Yeah. My tracks consist of stuff I want you to know about and things I know you know. I think this is cool. I like, like, this, um, this is a, such a... Like, I buzzed when I first heard it for the first time, sitting in my bedroom with my headphones on, listening to yeah. some of new music. I think you're going to really buzz off it on a dance floor. That's, that's, that's my mindset anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, my perfect... Uh, this is, as I say, getting too far into it again. But my perfect night would be, I'd like to start at about one thirty, um, because obviously I play a little bit harder, right? And and I will play a sort of groovy, groovy warm up stuff. I'd then move into maybe next hour would be like sort of uh, one forty classics and uplifting trance and stuff like that. And then everything for me, anything that's got a good offbeat for me is like. That, that, that's solid I like Paul Oakenfold set used yeah. to start at 128 BPM and yeah. he used to finish at 144 yeah well there you go that's, that's what I mean it's, it's a journey isn't yeah. it and you take on that journey yeah and then I would move on to sort of like the funky hard house sort of vibe and then I'd maybe go into a little bit of hard house um, into the bounce stuff uh, and then I'd, 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 I'd go as far as hardcore and drum and bass like it, that's my ideal thing what I'd probably do is I'd probably end it at the bounce thing. I'd finish, I'd finish on bounce. <laughs> Solid. But, but, but like, it started that, like, groovy house thing. I liked, I'd like people to come in, be on the dance floor, get, or get a drink, foot tapping, knowing I'm into this. And then by the end of it, I want them all absolutely gurning the faces off, going for it at yeah. 150. That, that's ideally what I would do. And there's nowhere that can offer that. So would I take a residency up? No, there, that, that, that's my answering full. <laughs> Um, we can go talking about you if you want. Um, you've you've got your residency. Um, what, what type of music do you play uh, right now? I'm talking this Saturday, for instance. Right. Typical day, I would start off around about 120 BPM, playing some like nice, cool, groovy, deep house, right. discoy kind of vibes. Kind of building it up to about you know 126, 128 BPM, getting just more housey vibes, just just bringing more sort of like vocally stuff kind yeah, of yeah. thing. You know, just because, you know, at that time I'm watching the crowds as well. So if I've got big crowds of girls coming in, I'm going to play more vocally stuff because they like you know, yeah, yeah, the vocals yeah. and stuff like that. More pianos and things like that yeah. in there. Just gradually building up to about 130 BPM and then just kind of coasting it in from there, really. Yeah. Um, in the afternoons, evenings, you know, it kind of progress from maybe 130 up to like 134, you know, just getting a bit tougher. Everyone's got as their it, own as style. It, as it goes on. But, you know, yeah. when, when, I, when, I, when I was playing digital, I'd start off at like one 118, mm. you know, and finish at 138. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, that's a big multi-genre thing, though, isn't it? Like, digital was more. It was more. It, digital was pure house music all night long, but it was yeah. like more EDM-y and you know, yeah. that, that the the the, the subgenres of EDM and you know, yeah. playing those different BPMs. Um, it was always it was always that thing of just just read your crowd and just know when to change it. Right. Well, there you go. There's your answer to that, um, Chris. There's your answer, mate. Um, He's got a residency and this is what he plays. I've, I've held residencies pretty yeah. much for the last 20 years. Um, yeah. And has it uh, changed over the time? Oh, it's yeah. changed massively, yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, when I think about when I first played at Fusion when I was playing trance. Yeah. Oh, then, it's a complete different. <laughs> now I'm here playing house music. Yeah. But, you know, someone said to me, oh, do you want to come play a trance set, classic trance set? Just out of the top of my head, this is a question from me, it's not on there. What, what's been your favourite year for, for music? Where have you heard music and you've thought, this is it doesn't get it doesn't beat this 1999 2000 trance trance yes i think that i was doing around then <laughs> nah i love it mate i love it one um, track one track stood out more than anything else and it was really weird because 
I actually got it on a white label because I went to 3B Records before I went to Creamfields and Les handed me a blank, extra, a blank Perfecto right. cover and the vinyl was Bullet in the Gun. Nice tune. And I played it and, it and Les was just like, mate, this is going to be a fucking massive tune. This is just coming. He said, I've got a few of these. They're just test pressings. He yeah. said, um, he said, there's no fucking label on it or anything like that. I love the, and, love the and quality. It, and it was that, like bullet in the gun. Fantastic. And I just went back and I went, how oh, much? And Les went 20 quid la. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Class tune. Class tune. Yeah. That is. I think that and that and uh, Delirium Silence, Tiesto's yeah. uh, In Search of Sunrise mix. I love that tune. But if you compare the two, right? Like everyone knows silence and stuff. Like that. Silence is like dark and moody. Yeah. Whereas bullet in the gun is just pure Uplifting, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just but pure energy. It, do you think it's like it, it seems to be forgot about a lot when you think of like trans classics and like all classics in general from that time. It's never one of them that's always at the t the top of people's lists. And I think it's probably one of the best tunes of that time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think so though? You don't hear oh, yeah. you don't hear modern remixes of it or out like that. It's like you don't because it was just. How, how, how do you remix a track that's already that good? But then again, there was loads of great trance tracks that came out then that's yeah. been reworked now. Yeah, I've it's seen a few fun. Signum reworks yeah. coming out and stuff like that. But I don't know, I guess I guess there's like, I don't know whether they just, it was just a case of they couldn't get the parts because obviously mm -hmm. back then, you know, it was all done in studios. You know, it's very what's your, what's your ultimate trance record? My ultimate trance record? Oof. Now, um, I thought Lustral Every Time was a good one. Um, Nailing and Kane Beach Ball yeah. um, all good tracks um, obviously I love Tiesto a lot of Tiesto stuff um, but for me one of the best tracks I've ever heard was a track by the Amoeba Assassins called Roller Coaster right rings a bell that. I, don't, I, can't, I can't think of what it is off the top of my head right so uh, the Amoeba Assassins were signed to Perfecto but yeah. one of the the guy who sang on the Maybe Assassins was a guy called Steve Saker, and he was mates with Oki, right. who would then go on to make the theme tune for Big Brother. Oh yes, I know you're on one now. That, that rings a bell. Yeah, I've got that on vinyl, you know, randomly. <laughs> I can't remember. I think I bought it yeah. in London. And I thought, oh, I like Big Brother. I yeah. Like yeah, but I I just remember hearing it in the courtyard. Yeah. At Cream, and it literally just lifted the roof right off. Class. And Class. I couldn't wait to get it on vinyl. Um, but he's definitely one of the best trance records out there. I mean, people would argue like Warrior or, you know, Darude Sandstorm yeah. or Alia Alia. Alia Alia is another good one, yeah, which was on. Yeah. This, there was so, yeah, honestly, yeah. in that period, like you would listen to Judge Jill's on Radio 1 every Saturday and, and something newer and 20 bangers yeah. <laughs> you know um, a lot of the Armanda stuff was amazing I mean, yeah, Armanda used put some, put some, some amazing tracks Synth yeah. and Strings Synth and Strings was a big one yeah I always liked because he did it at Tougher Record yeah, he featured on um, was it Hard House Nucleus Hard House 2 or 3 yeah and it was Egg and Crest remember that tune oh yeah 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 Egg and Crest and I remember really, um, that was a class tune there was, there was a track came out on BXR uh, by Jakairo and I can't remember the other guy and it was called Strance right. and I swear to God it is one of those like hard trance tunes yeah. that literally just melts your face <laughs> but it's such a good track like I, I, I just I can imagine it was one of those tracks where you kind of get a vision of it being played at the Burning Love Parade and like two million people just going absolutely mad to it like <laughs> uh, I think my favourite trance track 
And I don't know why. Well, no, I, I do know why. But like, it seems to be because it was it 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 set a standard, I think, and it's a uh, system F out the blue. I yeah, I can love that tune. Like, I I loved that tune when I was eight years old, and for me to love that when I was eight, it didn't have any words or anything. Yeah, and at the time, I don't know, I I, I liked. I don't know, like Maro Picotto did a banging remix of that as well. Who? Maro Picotto. Right. Uh, I think. No, I've no, I've no idea. I tell you, I have no idea. Yeah, he did. He did. a good remix of it. You know. Yeah. You know, he's maybe more famous for Lizard, but. <laughs> yeah, I've had some of his remixes and the quality. He he always had a bit of a tougher edge as well. He did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but out of the blue for me was just like, what is this? Like, like. There's just so much, so there's so much to unpack with that one tune. Um, I love the big fucking big snare in in the background and like, and obviously the riff and everything. And the, it's and, just a very well constructed track. Yeah, you know. And then I, w- I remember watching the video. On, remember the box? Yeah. yeah. I used to watch. Uh, I used to watch. Uh, I watched. Used to watch the video on that, and you'd see them going around Hamburg and yeah, yeah, by the train. So do you know when you say you see a celebrity and you're like, in fact, you see Fat Scoop and it's like, and you're starstruck. I was starstruck when me and my missus went into railing and we went to Hamburg and I was sitting in the same seat that they were dancing in front of in the train station. <laughs> I got my picture of that took and everything there. I was just like, this is an eight-year-old me being absolutely fulfilled right now. I met, then, I met Dead Mouse at the Winter Music Conference in Miami. Random. <laughs> <laughs> I went to, no, it was at the International Dance Music Awards. Oh, so right. yeah, back in, it was like 2010, I went to the Miami Winter Music Conference and met, yeah. met Dead Mouse and uh, went to the toilet and two urinals down from me was Tiesto having a piss. Not bad though. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> but yeah. Tiesto, like, he was a good, big, massive pioneer for trance as well. But my outside mention as well, because everyone would say, like, Out of the Blue is just one of them tunes where it's, it's the pinnacle of trance. Oh, it is, yeah. But, but uh, a little, a little sidetrack that, Every time he, I hear it, it still sends shivers up my spine. He's um, uh, Jada, Another Day. Oh, uh, I yeah. Love I know there's obviously like uh, Ferry Causen's mix of a Daijo for strings and stuff, yeah. but that one with that offbeat, because the same chord progression, isn't it? As, yeah, it is, as, yeah. yeah. And then that that one, it's like, it's just another day, and then he bre- breaks it and nothing, and all you hear is... Another one that uh, that ended up um, class tune getting re-released by Perfecto under the guise of Skip Raiders. Yeah, Skip Raiders. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that's when I first heard it. I, re- I, rem- I remember. I remember. I got because obviously as DJ and Progressive, I got on mailing list and stuff like that. So yeah. I got I got that sent through direct from Perfecto. You always knew it was a good record, right? You always knew a you always knew a track was going to be big yeah. when the promo pack was a double vinyl. <laughs> if you got a double vinyl in your promo yeah. pack, you knew the track was going to be massive. Yep. <laughs> um, I always remember the the A side was the vocal bit, uh, just another day. Yeah. But the B side, they did a dub mix, and I I prefer the dub mix. I I like a vocal. Don't get me wrong, but like there's something about just hearing that instrumental, and it's just oh, yeah. so good. But yeah, that, that's one of my favourite records of all time, that class tune. Space Brothers did a track called Show Me Love. Sure. Um, uh, it, had a, it had like another name, but the tagline when it was Show Me Love, and honestly, it's one of those really evocative sort of vocal trance tracks. Yeah. We're gar- guaranteed if you'd had enough MDMA, would reduce you to tears. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what, was, what was the title of that, that tune? Forgiven. Yeah, Forgiven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the riff in that. It's dead simple, right. the riff, isn't it? Like, First tune I played in Fusion, that. Class tune, eh? Class tune. I love Space Brother stuff because they did Unforgiven and they did, um, what was that other big tune that they did? 
Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I don't want to stop the pod, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, they did another a big tune. It fucking so good. It was like that for me. That's where the Scouse House thing came from. Like the the, the offbeat yeah. and the big melodies and that. For me, like, I love that that era. Right, we'll move on anyways. <laughs> um, we could do a whole show just trance. on trance. Yeah, the trance it. hour. I could. I honestly could talk about trance all day. Fucking, I don't get to play it because everyone pigeonholed me as a bounce DJ now. I don't get the, the opportunity to play a trance. So Im- imagine a scenario, right? We did this gig at the Maritime Festival, right? So yeah. we, we took Solid Beats record shop and yeah. we got a marquee. You know where the anchor is? Yeah. On, on White Evan Arbor. We put a big fucking marquee on there, generator, deck, sound system, everything. And we just played for two days, solid. Like, Class. like we literally had every DJ I knew at the time playing on this stage over the weekend. Class. It was fantastic. And honestly, I just remember, they used to do a big fireworks display at night, didn't they? Yeah. So we opened the back of the marquee up, for turned the speakers round, pointed them across the harbour while the fireworks were going off. And I think, I can't, I can't remember who was playing at the time. I think it might have been Pete. Vinyl was playing at the time it was banging out this trance to these fireworks going off it's just a moment isn't it that's what it is it's class. Like, <laughs> quality, quality moment yeah, like. yeah exactly you remember that forever as well like I like how music captures that do you know what I mean um, right we'll move on to the last question of the day because as I say we will talk about this uh, all day <laughs> uh, you're Brad fat lad right, yeah so it's obviously one of my mates yeah rubbish. clearly that um <laughs> Um, what you go to when you go to Mackey's uh, love the podcast I knew I knew knew you would have food involved in this at some point Uh, so that electric chair question is perfect and that's from Adam Um, obviously if you've watched them you know the electric chair question is right I'll ask you that in a minute um, (laughs) what you go to when you go to to Mackey's for me it's got to be quarter pound with cheese straight up Right. Well, where should we start with mine? Uh, <laughs> right. What I do is this is fucking disgusting thinking about it. Like, but um, I get a Big Mac. Right. I get um, as a meal. I get that large fries. Um, I'm an Oasis kind of guy. Um, and then I get uh, she, we, we, me and my missus and my little lad will share twenty chicken nuggets as well. And then yeah, I yeah. Get a, I get a, a double cheeseburger to eat in the car while I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> right, is that just because you can't wait? Yeah, you can't wait. It doesn't fill you as well. Right, no, it's not then, designed to fill you though, is it? No. And when I look as well, I always see what the special is. So like maybe mozzarella sticks or something like that. Oh yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll always go for the, the mozzarella sticks if they're on like. Start yeah, doing definitely. Halloumi, halloumi fries now, and we tried them yesterday, and they're really good. I haven't been to Mackey's for ages. Mate, I've been four times this week. I, uh, I'm literally just I, like I've decided I need to kind of like get myself in shape and lose weight a bit, but yeah, I'm trying. It's hard work, eh? Yeah, I know. Easy to put on, hard as yeah. fuck to get off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was doing one meal a day for ages. Um, just eating at five o'clock every day and one meal, that was it. Yeah, our, our lass is doing Herbalife, but like, I just can't be on with that. Like, it's <laughs> too much jassle. Right, uh, we're going to tie this podcast up now is with the electric chair question. So Go for it. You've been, you've been sent to the electric chair. It's been brought into the UK for some reason. I don't know why, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Luminati. Yeah, Luminati. <laughs> Luminati. Those crazy ones again. Um, and you get you get one last meal. What you having? My last meal. Yeah. So you don't even need to watch your weight anymore. So if you want to have a Mackey's, have a Mackey's. Have whatever you want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you what to get. My last meal would be a wagyu steak. Right, wagyu steak, right? Are you having a starter, a dessert, or like that? Uh, probably a, a black pudding stack. Right. As a starter. Fucking hell. 
Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Black pudding stack yeah. with, you know, a bit of hollandaise sauce and, you know, egg on top, you know, mm. and a little bit of rocket and just to, you know, bit of greenery for the health. I'm getting the chair, I don't care. Yeah. You know, just for presentation, yeah, so yeah, it looks yeah. nice. You know, yeah. they say you, you eat with your eyes before you, you know, before you taste it. So if it looks good, it's going to taste good. Right. So then I go for the wagyu steak with triple cooked chips. You know, nice big fuck off tomato on there as well. You know, nice. don't really want to pollute the steak that much because it's all about the meat. How do you, you have your steak? Uh, medium. Medium. Yeah. Any more than that's a crime. I think I'm <laughs> giving it medium. It's a crime. I like yeah. I like a rare steak, me. Um, I love, I love just cutting into it. How juicy it is! Class. Yeah. Um, so yes, thank and, then, and then the dessert, the dessert, yeah. right, right. The dessert I would have, when, and I and I had this when I was in London, right. Um, I had this giant Ferrero Rocher that had gold leaf on it. Nice. It was massive. Where's this from? <laughs> um, it was in um, a steakhouse in London, and the name escapes me right now. Mm. Um, Hawksmoor. Right. Okay. Or something like. That. But the reason I got it was because. The, for everyone you bought a donation went to a homeless charity right so, so you're, you're feeding yourself fantastically by the way <laughs> and doing a bit for charity and doing a bit for charity at the same time yeah. so i got this giant for air rusher i do have a picture on my phone i will show you and yeah. when you see it you'll be like i i'd have got that as well fuck it send it send it to me i'll put it on my picture look at this <laughs> there you go nah um yeah so we'll just we'll just tie this up now um where can people find you where what what social media on where can people hear music well if you want to find me on facebook i'm on facebook just simon kennedy yeah um, i do have a dj page si kennedy i've got uh, instagram simon k2012 i'm on yep. twitter can't remember what that is because i very rarely go on twitter <laughs> don't do tiktok because i really haven't got time to stand and make videos like that yeah um dance routines see tunes <laughs> yeah well yeah um most of the time you'll find me in havana on a saturday afternoon because really? I've mastered the art of getting other guys to come in, the younger lads to come in and do the nights. Well, so I can go home and get home to the missus in time for uh, Love Island or whatever she's watching at the oh, time. No. <laughs> I know, exactly. Don't right. watch it like. Uh, um, uh, and then I'm doing Solfest on oh, yes, uh, Bank Holiday oh. Sunday as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing the four play stage with the, fo with the floor play guys, Chris Lockie. What are you going to be doing? Um, is it more disco? And it's house? probably going to be more house into the disco side of things, but it's going to be cool as fuck, I promise. Yeah. Um, Excellent. I went last year, just sort of last minute. So fucking good. Like, it's, it's just a random festival, but really good at the same time. Like Yeah, because it's full of Cumbrians. Yeah, full of Cumbrians, right. And it, <laughs> it just seems a bit more laid back than every yeah. festival as well. It You yeah. don't have to turn up in, like, the latest um, ASOS. Mm. Ah, you just ran through Footlock or sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, literally dive through the shop window yeah. of Sports Direct and turn up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, I love Solfest. Uh, yeah, very open-minded people as well. Uh, there, you can play whatever. I got away with playing sort of um, hard style and everything there. I played there. That's class. 2017, I think it was, and I just thought, I, basically, I, I was listening to you at the USB in the car of of music that I listened to in the car. <laughs> so I took the USB out and I was playing my set, and I thought. Should I? Should I? Fucking mixed it in, and absolutely loved it. Like fantastic. There's you a get few you, online, go check it out. You get a feeling, don't you? Sometimes that you just, just you, the time is right. This is gonna go. Yeah, I mean, it didn't take. It didn't take. Hats uh, didn't take off in in the Cumbria, but I mean, I give it a try, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, anything else you want to plug before we go? Um, not really. No. By my, I've got obviously my three tracks are out there that I've already talked about yeah. um, on various labels. You can get them on. Uh, 
Spotify. Beatport, Spotify, yeah. iTunes, or Apple Music as it is now. They're all and Track Source. They're all out there. Yeah. Um, feel free to buy them, download them, or play them. I don't really mind. No worries. No it's worries. It's all good for the stats. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, yes. up, uh, it gives an insight to a lot of people what's going on in Cymru for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've enjoyed the episode, then share it with your mates, share it on social media because that's how we reach people. Hit uh, that like. Yeah. Oh, if you like it as well. Something to do with the YouTube algorithm. If The more likes your videos got, the more yeah. it moves up the page. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hit the like. So there you go. You know, if you Thanks can, for tuning in. It takes nothing to go online. And even if you don't watch the full, full episode, just hit the like button. <laughs> we're, begging, we're begging you no right thanks for listening i'll see you again soon laters